Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Views from the John, or VFTJ, for Monday, October 13th. And I'm your host, Juan Nomas Trabajo. How are ya? I'm just checking in on ya. VTFJ. Why can't you just say the goddamn name Views from the John? I reckon everything is a damn acronym now. You know, stick your fucking DVD in your DVR, then your HDTV, the USB to the HDMI, and OMG FML, the IG is on the DL. Fucking crossed. Why can't you just simplify everything? Why can't you just say views from the John? You gotta say the fucking VTT fucking FJ crossed almighty. How are you, everybody? It's your boy. It's your, it's your, it's your. Finish that, man. Finish that. What's up, everybody? So, how are you? It's Monday. Monday, Monday, Monday. It's Labor Day! Yet there's people all around doing labor. Isn't Labor Day about having a day of not having to do labor? I don't know. I'm working it. I'm working it. There's no lack of labor for me. Wait a minute, it's not fucking Labor Day, is it? What the fuck day? It's uh, Columbus Day. Jesus Christ, oh, I fucked up. Alright, Columbus Day. What is Columbus Day? Columbus Day... Right? What is... Is Columbus Day about Christopher Columbus? How he discovered America? <laughs> Are we still talking about Christopher? He didn't discover America. There are already people here. He just happened to land someplace and say, hey, this is my shit now. Right? Christopher Columbus, right? The Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria! The ships, right? I even heard Christopher Columbus uh, had a UFO story on his trip over to uh, America. He saw some kind of a unidentified flying object. Who knows, maybe he saw a shooting star or some bullshit, huh? But yeah, it's Monday. Are you working? Are you not? Are you driving in? Are you driving home? Are you at home beating your wife? What are you doing? Raking the leaves? Did you go see some leaves this weekend? Did you go look at the pretty dead leaves? The fucking leaf peepers? Did you go pick a zucchini? Did you go pick out a pumpkin? Did you pick some fucking, uh, a wreath? Some wreath made of fucking leaves or some shit? All that fall bullshit? Jesus Christ. I tell you, this area of uh, western Massachusetts I live in. You ever seen that movie Blow? Remember that movie Blow? What was it, 2001? Johnny Depp? Right? He comes from Massachusetts with his buddy Tuna. And they move out to uh, Huntington Beach, California. They start selling three-finger lids, right? And uh, as they're starting up the business, their buddy from back home in Massachusetts comes comes out to visit the, visit them in Huntington Beach. And they're like, yeah, man, Massachusetts. That five college area, Smith, UMass, Hampshire, Holyoke, 
all those nice little Ivy League schools out in Western Mass. This is a very popular place. It's very touristy, you know. Very big city feel, but without the big city hassles. Not a lot of crime. Very progressive thinking people. And a whole lot of tourists who like to get on my highways and go 40 miles an hour while they look at all the pretty leaves. Look at the yellow ones. Look at the brown. Look at the orange colored ones. Holy shit, people. All right, I'm going to tell you all about my leaf peeping story this weekend, okay? I didn't go out seeking to peep leaves. I just got stuck in the horror that is uh, the people that come into the Northeast United States to look at a bunch of dead leaves on some trees. But yeah, what'd you do this weekend? Anything exciting? Let's see, what the fuck did I do? Let's see, well, geez, last night, God, some great sports over the weekend, man. Uh, playoff baseball. Does it get any better than playoff baseball, right? You had the American League Championship uh, Series last night, Game 2. Yankees, Astros, god damn, that was a good game, huh? Jesus. Bottom of the 11th inning, Carlos Correa. It's a walk-off homer. Opposite field for the win. The crowd goes nuts. Did you hear how loud that crowd was? I've never been to uh, the Astros uh, stadium. I haven't. I need to. But, man, does that stadium rock. I mean, I don't know if they're pumping in any artificial crowd noise. <laughs> Uh, like other teams have been uh, suspected of doing, but that crowd, man, was just deafening through the uh, you know TV set last night. But yeah, man, I'm impressed. Man, Yankees took Game One, which was crucial. They won it one to nothing, and uh, that Game One win in a best of seven series, oh, it's crucial. It really is. You know, if the Yankees hadn't pulled out that 1-0 victory in Game One, they would have been down two games to nothing. You know, and you know, look at, I, I don't know. This is a great series, this American League series. Uh, talked to a couple fellow baseball friends of mine last night. I said, "Are you watching the game?" No, nope, we're watching a movie. Oh Jesus! All right, it's playoff baseball, people. If you love baseball, I don't care if your team's not in it. You were watching the game last night. But the wife wanted to watch the Real Housewives of fucking uh, Miami. All right. Can't you watch the Real Housewives anytime? This is playoff baseball. It comes once a year. You got two of the best teams, the two best teams in the American League, Houston Astros and the New York Yankees. And this is coming from a Boston Red Sox fan, so easy. But yeah, I tell you, those Astro fans after the Yankees won that game, the first one, ooh, they were not happy. Now the Houstonians can hate the hate the Yankees, just like the Boston fans always did, huh? Yankees always crushing your hopes. I tell you, man, this is a good series. I don't know. I predicted this. Um, I predicted that it would be the Yankees and the Astros in the ALCS back in April. I had high hopes for the Red Sox, but hey, whatever. But uh, yeah, I predicted this. What I did not predict was the Dodgers getting knocked out of the first round. And uh, I didn't see St. Louis coming. I saw him surging at the end of the season there. 
But uh, I did not anticipate the NLCS being, uh, you know, Washington. The Washington. I did not see the NLCS being Washington and uh, in St. Louis. I didn't. I thought it was going to be uh, definitely the Dodgers. You know, I like the Brewers all year. But, uh, man, I thought it would be the Dodgers. I thought it would be the Dodgers in Houston this year. And uh, I'm telling you, the Nationals, the Washington Nationals, they have been on a... Uh, I don't follow them too, too closely, but uh, I am a huge fantasy baseball player. I do love baseball, but, you know, I don't know every team's inner workings. I'm not that nuts, but I did see that Washington has been surging and just running over people since, like, mid to late August. All throughout September, every day when I would check the box scores, I would see that they were just wiping people out. Um, and towards the end of the year, I picked up uh, anybody I could. Um, the only person I could pick up that was being productive that was still on the waiver wire was uh, Howie Kendrick. But uh, yeah, man, the Nationals look unbeatable. And they've just been streaking. And uh, I don't know. I think we're going to see the Nationals. The Nationals are going to represent... Your Washington Nationals are going to represent the uh, National League. I think it's going to happen. And the way that they're playing right now, I don't know. It should be a good series, no matter if they face the Astros or if they face the Yankees. But, uh, yeah, man, congratulations to the Nationals. They have just been uh, kicking ass, firing on all cylinders uh, geez, the whole second half of the year. And, uh, yeah, I'm happy for them. But uh, I don't know. It's a Washington baseball team. You know who lives in Washington? The Donald. Are people blaming him yet for it? Any conspiracy theories out there that don't like the Nationals? Are they thinking they won because of, you know Trump had something to do with it, right? That's a popular thing to do nowadays, right? I'm not a Trump fan, but people are using the Trump card, right? Wasn't that... I think that was already a statement, wasn't it? Like a, like a saying? The Trump card? But now it's like a literal thing, right? The Trump card, right? People play the Trump card, right? They play any card. Something doesn't go their way, they have to blame it on something, right? So they'll play the, you don't like me because I'm a woman, or you're excluding me because I'm homosexual. And then there's the people that think anything and everything that goes wrong in their life, it's Trump's fault. So I guarantee you there are people out there that probably think that the success of the Washington Nationals has got something to do with Trump's evil plan. I don't know. If you got a problem with Trump, go and go and purchase yourself a Trumpy bear. If you haven't seen it, you'll love it. I'm going to be talking about it a little bit later in the podcast, but there is an actual teddy bear that exists that you can buy for two easy payments of 1995 and you get a teddy bear that looks like Donald Trump. And when you get scared or you need a safe place, he's got a convenient zipper in the back that you unzip and an American flag blanket folds out of it. I, I, I was going to wait until later in the podcast to talk about this, but I was watching Comedy Central last night, right? Love Comedy Central, except when uh, I'm not a big fan of Viacom. Any YouTuber knows Viacom and knows that Viacom 
will copyright claim even a second of anything that they produce. Even a second. Even though you're not monetizing it or anything else. It's actually, you're actually doing free advertising for Viacom. Viacom is the parent company that owns, uh, you know, MTV, VH1, Comedy Central, etc. If you're a YouTuber and you've tried to use anything that was produced by Viacom, whether it's an MTV clip, a VH1 clip, a Comedy Central clip, even a couple seconds, I literally, they must have a team of like a hundred people that work for Viacom, that literally do nothing but surf YouTube all day long. And the second they see even an instant of any of their work in anyone else's video, instant copyright claim. Now let me tell you the difference. Uh, about a month ago, I uploaded a clip that came right from Joe Rogan's show. Obviously, I don't produce Joe Rogan's show. I don't own Joe Rogan's show. I don't personally know Joe Rogan. But Joe Rogan's kind of YouTube company allows people to use his clips because he's a smart man. I can't monetize his clips, but if you use one of his clips, he'll get the money for it. He understands that by other people using clips from his podcast, it's just helping him and it's making him money. Viacom doesn't get that. Viacom doesn't get that when I uploaded Adam Carolla's uh, Social Justice Warrior rant. It was a minute and 30 second long clip. Nobody else on YouTube had it. Uh, Comedy Central will never release that clip because they're too PC, even though they want to come off like they're non-PC. So everybody wanted to see it. If you hadn't seen it, I apologize. The video was copyrighted, claimed, you know, FBI agents, you know, repelled down onto my house, you know, took the hard drive. These people are nuts. So anyways, everyone wanted to see the clip. I thought it was a great clip. Adam Carolla just stood up and just said, hey, this whole social justice warrior thing in cancel culture, stop. Because they're coming after comedians. And I keep saying this. How can you cancel out comedy? It's comedy, people. It's funny. Even if somebody tells a joke that's a little bit sensitive to you, it's meant to make light of a situation. And just because somebody makes light of a situation doesn't mean they take it lightly. It's called having a sense of humor, being able to laugh at yourself. It basically, Adam Carolla just got pissed off, and he spoke for all comedians. He just got up and said, F you to PC culture. We're not going to tone down our shit because you're sensitive to comedy. If you don't have a sense of humor, you can't take a joke, then don't watch our comedy. It's that simple. And I completely agree. Uh, I uploaded the clip. It was a minute and 30 seconds long. And in 48 hours, I had hit 20,000 views. 48 hours. I don't think if I was giving away free drugs, I could have gave away 20,000 different people uh, in a matter of 48 hours. But that's how many hits it had. And of course, all it was doing was making people want to go onto Comedy Central and watch the whole roast. Right? But no, Comedy Central and Viacom doesn't think that way. <gasps> Copyright claim. Instantly. Hurt my channel. Take it away. Now what? Nobody can watch it. All I was doing for you, Viacom, or anyone else, was advertising for you. As a YouTuber, 
if I take someone else's clip and then put my production label on it, which I do, not because I produced it, but I did screen capture it and go through the effort of editing the clip for you, all right? It's just, it's, it's, it's free advertising. It's a win-win. It drives traffic to your, to your station. You're able to share the things that you like with your fans on your YouTube page. And you're also helping advertise for Fox, Seth MacFarlane, and Family Guy. It makes people want to go now see the episode. You know? I don't think Family Guy or Fox is like that. Because I see a ton, a ton of Family Guy stuff out there on everyone's uh, channels. And uh, they don't seem to get hit with any kind of copyright. So I don't know if that's Seth MacFarlane being cool or Fox being cool or, you know, Family Guy Incorporated being cool. But that's how you act. Uh, just like Joe Rogan does. You know, take a piece of my podcast. Take a piece of my video. I don't care. Because all you're doing is helping spread the word about my show. And on top of that, that other person cannot monetize it so they make money. I can't monetize any of these podcast videos that go onto YouTube. Why? Because I talk about things that aren't supposed to be talked about. Like politics and poop and the government. And I say the F word. Oh my God, the F word. Oh my God. It's a four letter word that just enrages people, doesn't it? Fuck. <gasps> oh my God. But I can say poop. That's a four letter word, you know? I love George Carlin's bit about that. If you've never seen it, George Carlin has a famous stand-up bit called The Seven Dirty Words. And he talks about how the hell did we as a society come up with that these seven words are going to be, you know, dirty and they're going to be terrible to say, but these other ones aren't, you know? Shit, a four-letter word. Okay. Uh, what's another four-letter word? Um... God, I can't think of a four-letter word. John, with an H, right? What if all of a sudden we said that uh, the word John was going to mean the same thing as fuck? Now all of a sudden anyone says the word John, it's like, You can't say the word John on television. You know, when did we decide that the word fuck was going to be just like cringing to people? Because it is. You know, I use the word, I use the F word pretty loose-lippedly, okay? I use it all the time. I don't even pay attention to how many times I say the F word. But I tend to clean up the language a lot, I guess, when I'm doing this podcast, which I shouldn't. But I also tend to clean it up around, uh, you know, elderly people and, you know, parent figures and stuff like that. Because, you know, people are sensitive to the F word, but I'll never get it. But anyways, I just got way, way, way off my topic here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, anyways... Um, I don't even know what I was talking about. And that's one of the reasons why you uh, love me, right? Because I'm just a fucking maniac. So, yeah. Anyways. ALCS, NLCS. Playoff baseball. October. It doesn't get any better. Uh, football yesterday was fantastic. New England Patriots. My Patriots. 6-0. and Undefeated. San Francisco. 5-0. and The only other undefeated team. They took out the Rams yesterday. And embarrassingly what is wrong with the rams honestly is it just that san francisco's defense was just that good is that the reason why goff had 78 passing yards is that the reason why cooper cup had one reception for like eight yards 
look how they started off the game, right? Todd Gurley didn't play, right? So the next running back in line, Malcolm Brown, right? Um, on the first drive, Malcolm Brown, I think, had like five carries for 40 yards. Okay? That's a pretty good thing. But then once they get down to the goal line, of course they couldn't give it to Malcolm Brown because I had him on my fantasy team, right? They gave it to, uh, who was it, Brandon Cooks, somebody, a wide receiver, ran the ball in from the three-yard line. You know, don't give it to the running back like everyone else does. Let's give it to the wide receiver. And that was the only points they scored. Um, pretty nuts how, you know, the Rams, they were in the Super Bowl last year. They got embarrassed by the Patriots, right? And ever since, just something just has not been right, you know? Is Sean McVay now being exposed? Was he not the brilliant youngin we thought he was? Or is it just Goff having a bad year? Is it San Francisco's defense is just unreal? I don't know, man. But I tell you, watching that L.A. game was was difficult. I've never seen the Rams since they got Sean McVay, Todd Gurley, Goff, Cooks, Cup, just that whole crew. I've never seen them look as anemic on offense as I saw yesterday. That was crazy. Um, what else? The Chiefs, they lost another game at home despite Tyreek Hill's return with two touchdowns. The Texans looked good, bro. The Texans, I tell you, I think the Texans are going to be serious contenders in the uh, AFC. I don't think the Texans can get past the Patriots. I don't think anybody can get past the Patriots. Patriots offense, just too good. Belichick, too good of a game planner. Our defense, epic. I don't see it. I think the Patriots will lose a couple games this year. I don't think they're going to be, go undefeated. I think it's going to be one of these crazy ones. Like this coming uh, Sunday, right? Next Sunday. What is it? The 19th? Next Sunday? Um, the Patriots travel down to the Jets, where the Jets just beat the Cowboys. And even though the Patriots uh, you know, embarrassed the Jets uh, a handful of weeks ago, I think it's going to be one of those games where, like, you know, the one in four Jets somehow are able to just beat the Patriots, you know, even though the Patriots will probably be like 16-point favorites. You know, I think they're going to lose a couple of those games. Um, so I can see the Patriots dropping one that people wouldn't really expect, like against, you know, Buffalo or against the Jets or somebody like that. But they do have some tough games coming up, you know. They are going to be playing Kansas City at home. That's going to be a good game. Uh, but again, Kansas City, Mahomes, unbelievable. Tyreek Hill, unbelievable. Andy Reid, unbelievable. But the Patriots' offense is pretty good, too. And our defense, and the way that we're able to scheme and come together, I just, I don't see it. Maybe the Patriots win, maybe the Chiefs win. But I'm telling you, when it comes to be playoff time, I think the only, I think, I think the Patriots' biggest obstacle when they comes to the playoffs is going to be themselves. If the Patriots turn the ball over and they don't play like they have been, then they're going to shoot themselves in their own foot. But I think at this point, they're their own worst enemy. The only team that is going to beat the Patriots in the playoffs is going to be the Patriots. I don't see another team uh, being able to beat them when the Patriots are on their game. Uh, Kansas City looks fantastic. San Francisco looks fantastic. I can't wait to see uh, KC play uh, the Patriots again this year. 
Um, but yeah, San Francisco is looking just fantastic. And San Francisco's defense looks just about as good as the Patriots. I mean, statistic-wise, they're you know right in the same ballpark with each other. Um, so yeah. Uh, what else? So yeah, football. A lot of crazy stuff, right? Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, the quarterback of the Texans. Serious MVP talk. Uh, Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson, the two running backs for uh, uh, the the, uh, you know, the Texans. They combined for three touchdowns and 150 rushing yards, those two. Uh, Stephon Diggs, my God, after the rumors of trade talk and how upset he was with the fact that he wasn't getting the ball, he had three touchdowns yesterday and 167 receiving yards against uh, that Eagles secondary. Crazy, huh? And then, like I said, the Jets got their first win against the Cowboys. If you haven't seen Stephen A. Smith today gloating about it, check it out. Pretty hilarious. But like I said, the Jets beat the Cowboys at home. But uh, let's see how they do this coming weekend when the Patriots come back into town. We'll see if they can have uh, any kind of success now that Sam Darnold has uh, gotten over his kissing disease, right? He had mono. I always thought mono was like a kid's thing, like a kissing disease, you know? You get it at the prom or some shit, you know? How the hell do you catch mono? Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I seriously don't know. All right, and then Saturday night at the last minute, I got an invite. I didn't even have to drive. I got shipped out to Boston and got to see Mark Marin. Yes, Mark Marin. Remember him? He used to have his own show. Guy's funny as hell. I talked to one of my buddies, and, I, and uh, that knew I went and saw Mark Marin. He's like, I absolutely hate that guy. And I'm just thinking to myself, why? You know him? You know, you saw two minutes of his show, you know, flipping the channels, and it just didn't agree with you, so you just absolutely fucking hate the guy? My God. I don't get that about people, but I know people like that. They see two seconds of something, from a long time ago. And it's just, I hate that guy. I hate that show. Just, really? That's how you're going to judge it? You saw two seconds of something and oh, I hate that shit. <laughs> Alright, buddy. Keep going through life like that. You're going to miss out on a lot. But yeah, I saw him at the Shibut Theater in Boston. Right there off Tremont. Next to the Wang Theater at the Box Center. He was fucking hilarious. And it was a much-needed night for me. I didn't have to drive. I had a blast. He killed it. It was my first time seeing him. Um, but yeah, great time. If you've never been uh, to see Mark Marin, he's on tour right now. I highly suggest it. I didn't think... I, as much as I love stand-up and I follow comedy, I didn't know too much about Mark. Okay, I wasn't a super fan of Mark's either. But after sitting in that 1,500-seat theater for a night and listening to him talk, I got it. And now I'm a Mark Maron fan. All right? So, yeah, uh, that theater, man, absolutely gorgeous if you've never been. Um, you know, Sherbert Theater. It's right there off of Tremont, right across from the Wang Theater at the Box Center. Uh, great place to go see a show. Um, was not hard to get to. And uh, I really want to give a shout out to my friend Zach for, uh, you know, picking me up and taking me into Boston to go see some comedy. I love you, brother. Um, I had had a frustrating day Saturday that I'm about to get into. 
and uh, you know me being driven to Boston for a change to go see some comedy. That was awesome. That was exactly what I needed. I had a great time. Drank a little bit too much. Did absolutely nothing yesterday on Sunday but just lay around, sleep, and watch baseball and football. And let me tell you something. It was fantastic. I'm telling you, it is. I know people, they're married, they got kids, and I think about that stuff too, and I thought I would have been married 15, 20 years ago with kids and the wife and all that, but then I, when I hear other people and how their lives are just, just restricted to just the things that they can do because of the wife or the husband and the kids and, and all the other shit that goes on, you know, I kind of like being a bachelor right now, okay? In not having a serious girlfriend, right? Not having a wife, not having the kid. I don't get told what to do. On a Saturday afternoon or night, I get a call from a buddy. You want to just drop everything you're doing and hop on a plane? Or you want to just get in my car and just drive in the bus and to see Mark Marin? You want to just fuck off and go here? I can do that. I can do that. Literally other people that have wives and the girlfriend thing and, you know, they work normal jobs, they can't. They have to, you know, look in their friggin' calendar and pencil you in on a fucking Wednesday night at, you know, 8 p.m., right, to hang out for an hour. It gets frustrating, man. It really does. It gets frustrating when, you, when you know, I'm at the age that I am, and I'm single and just loving it. So much freedom to do just anything I want. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't have any single buddies. Everyone's got the wife and the kid, and, you know, they can't do this, they can't do that. You know, they got to do this, to, you know, so thank you, Zach. Thank you for removing me from the toxic environment that was my Saturday and bringing me out to Boston to see some great comedy. I had a fucking great time. Friends, the I in friends means they include you. And uh, this dude knew I was having a tough day. He's a friend. He reached out. He included me. And, uh, Zach, you will never know how much that means to me. Um, I fucking love it. I really do. Um, I'm surprised by it. I really am. I feel like I go so far out of my way to help people and to think about other people and to include them, you know. And, uh, when somebody takes the time to actually think about me and say, hey, you know, he's having a rough day. I got an extra ticket. I'm driving out to Boston to see Mark Marin. I'm going to bring my boy John. That's fucking awesome. That's fucking awesome. It is. Isn't that awesome? When somebody thinks about you first and invites you to go do something. Isn't that awesome? I love it. It's great. It's, 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 it's really great to feel like you're appreciated and wanted, isn't it? It's really not difficult. When I used to manage a restaurant and a bar, one thing I used to do because this is how I, I, I wanted to be treated when I was not a manager. But as a manager, every single employee that would walk out every night after their shift, I used to shake their hand and thank them. Even if they had a bad night or didn't really do any work, I would thank them. Because I know that even getting a small thank you from a boss or a job well done can actually make your night. You actually go home feeling like... You f fucking did your job, right? You feel good about it. Just a simple fucking thank you from a manager literally would change my night. I would hardly ever get it.
but I would make sure that my staff knew that I appreciated them, I saw what they did for work, and I thanked them. And even if there was a particular person that had a rough night that fucked off, I would still thank them. Thanks for a great job tonight. We appreciate you. I would say that every night to my staff, and I think it seriously helped. It helps me. Who wouldn't? Who doesn't like to be noticed? Who doesn't like to be given a pat on the back and say, hey, I noticed what you did, and you rock. Just that acknowledgement. That's it. Nobody needs to stroke my ego or suck me off. Just a simple every now and then, hey, I love you. Hey, you're appreciated. Hey, we hear you. It's awesome. It's all people want to hear, you know? I don't know. But let me tell you, right? Let me tell you what my first part of my Saturday entailed, right? It started off with me getting pretty fired up about something that's been building up inside of me. And um, it didn't make me sad. It just made me be like, F you, buddy. Okay? And this buddy might even be listening right now. Or actually, maybe he's not. He's he's not a buddy. Okay? He's a artist that thinks he's God's gift to music. And uh, he's really not all that popular or famous. Does not have a recording contract. Does not have a record deal. Or any of this stuff. But he likes to think he's God's gift. And, you know, I can, I can almost see it. Because literally the, you know, ten people that follow him around New England from show to show, they just suck his ego off constantly. They just suck it, just sucking that ego. <laughs> just sucking that ego off, you know? I've even explained it. It's kind of like Antonio Brown. Uh, you, anyone that knows football knows Antonio Brown, first ballot Hall of Fame receiver. But he's not on a single L NFL team right now. He's lost $60 million in contracts this year, all because the guy doesn't know how to act on social media. He has no filter. The guy's been accused of, what, raping two women, which he claims are false, but even if you take away the rape allegations from the guy, he goes on social media and says literally the craziest shit that gets him in trouble. No filter. And I swear to God, this guy must not have a single friend that's in his crew that can just look him in the eye and say, bro, you're nuts. You got to fucking lay off social media. He just has people just all around him all day and all night just, just slurping off that fucking ego saying, you're perfect, you're great, you're perfect, you're great, you're perfect, you're great, you rock, you're God. Do you think it's a good idea if I go on social media and I say, fuck you to all the white people and call them crackers and the friends are like yeah buddy yeah that's a great idea do you think i should show up to a uh, raiders training camp in a hot air balloon yeah buddy great idea you go for it you know he doesn't have that friend that's just like bro that's fucking ridiculous and you're gonna look like a cock you know this kid is the same way okay he comes from a very humble place, very humble beginnings, but since he's been in America, he's just been getting his ego sucked off by the same 10 people. And um, this guy made some promises to me and some other people. And then all of a sudden, 
without any communication, any reason, just kind of took them away. And anybody who knows me knows that I cannot stand fake fucking people. I cannot stand egotistical people. Even if you have a reason to be egotistical, don't have it. It's the killer of careers. It's the killer of fucking friendships. I had a great friendship with this guy. We were literally going to become the next, uh, you know, great writing team. Like Lane Staley, right, and Jerry Cantrell. You know? But no. Nope. He decides, I've been doing things alone. Things are starting to get better. So I'm just going to, you know, keep all the sunshine for myself. So I'm sorry that I, you know, told you that we were going to start writing together. And I saw the vision. I said, fuck, dude. I start writing with this guy. With the voice that he's got. And uh, this is going to be it. With the contacts we have now. At the level of professional musician I'm at. With the contacts that I have. Uh, you know, with the simple structure formula I have for being able to write a catchy tune with a great singer. I said, this is fucking perfect. We write alike. We come from the same kind of background. This is going to be fucking perfect. And without even giving it a chance, the guy just says, you know, basically, fuck you. I didn't even do anything. So my point is, is that, you know, don't promise people shit. Don't get people fucking excited. Don't be an Indian giver, okay? Like, imagine you're a kid, right? And it's two weeks away from Christmas, and all this kid wants, right, is a new fucking iPad. And you tell him, I'm getting you that goddamn iPad. Santa Claus is giving you that iPad. And the kid is just fucking ecstatic. And then Christmas morning comes around and there's no iPad. And the kid's like, what? And literally, nobody gives him an explanation. Santa Claus doesn't give him an explanation. Parents don't give him an explanation. They just said, yeah, you know. We promised you the fucking iPad. We got you all excited. Nah, I'm just going to take it away. For no reason. Nah, just take it away. Dude, come on. You know, I don't, I don't allow myself to get excited about any promises in the music or any entertainment industry. If I had a dollar for every time somebody from the business told me that uh, we were going to get signed and that we were going to have a billion dollars and we were going to have a fucking you know quadruple trekker uh quadruple decker friggin tour boss and you know we were going to go on tour with fucking slayer or alanis Morris or any of that shit i was just like whatever i'll believe it when i see it because there are so many promises and so much bullshit that gets talked in this business whether you're an actor uh you know talk show host, musician, athlete, doesn't matter. There are so many promises that we're going to get you this, we're going to give you this, you're going to be great, you're going to be huge, we're going to give you money, there's going to be contracts and tours, you're going to end up being the next fucking Foo Fighters, you know, blah, blah, blah. I've heard it a billion times, and I don't get excited, especially at my age, okay? But I allowed myself, and this is my own fault, I allowed myself to believe that this guy was serious because he extended his hand and said dude i'm starting a full band i'm no longer a solo dude you're my fucking guitar player you want to write this album with me and i'm just like fuck yeah dude why 
not because of the small, tiny, 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 tiny bit of Z-level celebrityness he has just in this one area of the country, okay? The guy's got like a hundred Spotify streams a month. He does not have a recording contract, okay? Your ego does not need to be as big as it is, okay? He's not famous. He's not fucking popular. And even people around here that know music haven't heard of him, okay? And if you're listening, fuck you, okay? So the story goes that, you know, this guy literally walks around thinking he's fucking Chris Cornell. Even though he comes from an extremely humble place, but he's now been in America for like 13 years and he's just drinking the American Kool-Aid, just sucking down that American dream. And everybody around him, even when he treats people like shit, just he says jump and they say, how fucking high do you want me to jump? Why? Because the guy can sing. He's not a good songwriter and he's not a good guitar player, but he is a great singer. I'm a good songwriter and a good guitar player, but I can't fucking sing. I can't. I can harmonize and do background vocals, but I can't sing. If I had a fucking incredible voice, you know, I think I'd be doing all right, but I don't. As a musician, I don't care if you're a bass player, if you're a drummer, if you play the saxophone, the skin flute, doesn't matter. You need to find yourself a good front man or a front woman. And believe me, there's more to it than even their voice. Okay? You know, how many 500-pound men or women do you see the front person of a band? You don't think there's three, four... Like, you don't think there's overweight people that can sing? But you never see them uh, as the front person of a, of a group, do you? I wonder why that is. It's the same reason, people, that when you see any kind of an advertisement, it's a thin, skinny supermodel, right? The record business wants the thin, skinny, 21-year-old supermodel with the great voice. They don't want the 40-year-old man that just looks normal, okay, with the great voice. So that plays into it, too. So literally, you could be fucking Stevie Ray Vaughan, you know, you could be Jimi Hendrix or Jimmy Page on the fucking guitar. And if you're playing with musicians that aren't great, or if you have a singer that doesn't look the part, act the part, or can sing to a T, you ain't going to make it. And as I explained in the last podcast, there's even bands out there that have the whole package, that have been doing it for 20, 30 years, and they don't have a recording contract. So it's this hypothetical lottery win that you have to hit to actually make it, quote-unquote, make it in the music business. If you want to reach the level of stardom that, uh, you know, Tool has or Alice in Chains, Foo Fighters, it takes fucking years, it takes mad skills, and it takes luck, and it takes putting your ego to the side. What this person doesn't realize, because they never gave it a chance, and they never really got to know me, it was always hanging out at shows, at by the merch table before or after. There's only a couple times we hung out outside of anything music-related where we just chilled, okay? Had this guy given me more of an opportunity, he would have realized how compatible, how compatible we would have been writing 
had he listened to any of my new album that I'm working on, he would have realized that it's essentially exactly what he wanted to write. You know, what is the problem? You know, this guy knows me. I'm not some fan or some idiot that's trying to ride on his coattails because he doesn't have much of a coattail to ride on. The only reason I was interested in him, just like I would be interested in any other musician, was that the guy's got an incredible fucking voice. In my whole life, I've been looking for somebody that could fucking hold a note. I can't. And it is extremely difficult to find a really good male or female vocalist. Okay? And there's no doubt this guy is a great male vocalist. But he's killing his career and he's hurting himself because of his ego, because of the way he treats people. He's burning bridges. And I'm not trying to be egotistical here and saying that I'm the world's best songwriter. I just know for a fact, and other people do too, who have been pushing me on him, that we are so much alike in the way that we write and our style of music, okay? That if you had put us together, you know, two different ingredients, had you put us together, we could have created something fucking spectacular, you know? I mean, look at Aaron Lewis, right? Aaron Lewis has got a career as a solo artist. Aaron Lewis also has a career now as a country artist, and Aaron Lewis also has a career as the frontman of Stained. That's three different projects, all successful. Imagine if Aaron Lewis never hooked up with Mike Mishak, and they never formed Stained. Imagine that. You know, and that's essentially what this kid has done. He's been, be he's been told by numerous people over the years that I was the guitarist to hook up with to write. He offered me the job. We jammed once. It went great. And then out of the clear fucking blue, he screws over his drummer and my buddy. And then he starts fucking with me. And I don't let people fuck with me. I don't let, you know... I don't know. Maybe I'm just fucking crazy. I have a higher standard of friendship. And I don't let people walk on me. I don't. Because I don't give a fuck how famous or how popular or how much money you have. You're no better than me. And you're no better than anybody else. Okay? You're not. We are all equal people. Just because this dude has got a billion dollars in the bank and you don't. It doesn't mean that you're horrible, okay? Just because you are a great drummer and you don't happen to be drumming for any famous bands, it doesn't mean that, you know, Taylor Hawkins is any better than you are or that you couldn't be in the Foo Fighters. It's just Taylor Hawkins hit that fucking lottery. He he, he started off drumming for uh, Alanis Morissette on her Jagged Little Pill uh, album. And then he got the offer from, you know, Dave Grohl to come drum for the Foo Fighters. I mean, that is a lottery ticket, getting a call to come play for the Foo Fighters from Dave Grohl and Nirvana. That is a lottery ticket that you can't play. You can't. You have to have the skill, but you also have to have a lot of luck. I've been waiting 26 years to come across a actual singer, a male singer, who could really sing. I found that person. 
I believe this person's also been looking for, for somebody to team up with that can just expand his whole universe. You know what I'm saying? There's power in numbers, people. I understand this guy's been a solo artist for a while, but he's been doing it for 13 years, and he's really not any farther than he was 13 years ago. Okay? What he needs to do is start a whole band and play some 90s rock. Just like I'm doing right now. So I'm literally recording a rock album right now that's in the vein of like, you know, early to mid 90s Alice in Chains and Tool and all that stuff with a very cool modern edge on it. I'm writing and recording that now in my home studio. That is exactly the same album that he was going to be writing. So wouldn't it just make sense that we would just team up as a band? You know? I'm not looking for anything from this guy. If this guy just came to America from the Philippines or wherever, and he had no Z-list celebrity status around here, nobody knew him, I would still be just as interested in him. Why? Because he can sing. And I'm a guitar player who thinks that he can write catchy hit songs. I just never had that right vocalist. I found that right vocalist. But because this vocalist has his head up the ass, has his head up his ass, he's just never gonna see it. It's fucking crazy. And the stupidest thing too is, is the dude offered me the fucking job, extended his hand, we shook on it. Then two weeks goes by, and the, evidently the dude didn't even tell me. He had to tell his 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 drummer, who then went and told me that yeah he's not doing the project anymore. Why? I don't know. You fucking moron. And then this weekend comes, right? This weekend comes up. There was a big show here locally on Saturday. Just literally five minutes from where I live right now. Okay? Big big outdoor show. Thousand people, maybe two thousand people. Bands from all over the place. Right? Huge outdoor show. And uh, big show. I would have loved to win. I would have loved to have been backstage with those guys. I would have loved to uh, have played, especially considering the fact that I was told I was going to play that show and I had been practicing um, all of his songs, all the cover songs that those guys do, and I was fully ready to go. You know, when Saturday rolled around, I wasn't even fucking invited by those two. When for the previous month I was with them at every show, every event, and nothing's changed. Nothing has changed. But just all of a sudden, I'm no longer included. That's a fucked up move, man. I mean, I'm not trying to be a kid here. Like, somebody took my toy away, and I'm going to go complain to mom. But still, as an adult, who the fuck does that? You know? I include my friends. I, you know? Fucking A. If I was playing a uh, show in a month that was going to have a thousand people on it, I would make sure that, like, all my friends were going to be there with me. Um... If there was any musicians that I know that has ne that have never experienced what it's like to be backstage at a big festival, I would fucking invite them and shit. These fucking two kids knew that about me. We were we were a band, or a project as they call it, up until a few days ago, and then now just nothing. And I don't get the fucking invite. Um, 
This guy keeps screwing over his drummer, doesn't pay him, cancels him at the last second off of big shows, makes him feel fucking embarrassed. He does it constantly to him, but my friend puts up with it because he's a very non-confrontational guy. He's never had the balls to say to this musician that we know, dude, fuck you, you know? You tell me I'm going to play this huge show, I planned for it, pay for a hotel room, and then you fucking cancel it. Now I'm stuck still having to go. You don't even pay me for the show. It's like, holy shit. And it's like nobody has ever come out, ever, and told this guy that he's an asshole. Or that what he does to people affects people. You know? When you're a musician, and you've been just busting your balls to make it for 26 years... And then somebody with an incredible voice, that last missing puzzle piece for me, comes along, offers me a job, and I'm like, fuck, we're going to write the next best album. I finally have a fucking singer after 26 years. And then for no reason, without even experimenting or testing the waters yet and just writing a song together, he just pieces out. And the reason why I think he pieced out is because he thinks he's going to get signed soon, and he literally wants all of it for himself. He doesn't want to have to share writing credit or publishing credit with anybody else. When he goes on tour and he makes it, he wants it to be the eh, eh show, you know? Not the Foo Fighters. He wants it to be, you know, imagine if Dave Grohl did that, you know? Instead of calling the band the Foo Fighters, they called it Dave Grohl and these four other fucks, Right? No. Dave Grohl understood that as great as of a writer and singer that Dave Grohl is, by hooking up with other musicians, it would completely expand his repertoire. It would make him better. They would make it, and he would make it. This kid doesn't get that. He thinks he's going to get signed as a solo act with his slow, acoustic, sleepy songs. And maybe he will. But he's never going to get any further than he's at now until he drops the fucking ego trip. He stops burning bridges and making it seem like he's God's gift to fucking music. And he takes his head out of his ass. Because he just had a perfect opportunity to write and record an album that wouldn't have cost him a dime with a musician that's proved himself after 26 years. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying I'm the world's best songwriter or the best musician. But you don't Indian give, okay? And I'm, I, I'm sorry. Is the word Indian give fucking offensive now? You know, Indian? My fucking Jesus Christ. All right. So, yeah. Anyways, people. The next time you promise anybody anything, hey, I'm going to take you to the, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And then you fucking cancel on them. Just put yourself in, in their shoes. You know? As a musician, I have been waiting for that break for 26 years. And this kid came along, he handed it to me, and then he fucking ripped it away. And why did he rip it away? For no reason. Literally no other reason than the fact that this kid realized that he wants all the glory for himself. He doesn't want to be in a band with three or four or five other musicians that'll help enhance him, you know, his music. He wants to be up there in the spotlight by himself getting 100% of the attention. And to me, people, this is where karma comes into play. This kid has been Indian giving and treating other people like shit for fucking years. He's blinded by greed, 
blinded by ego, and eventually, eventually, it's going to come back and it's going to bite him in the fucking ass. It is. And I can't wait. I'm not going to get revenge. I'm not going to get even. Even though I could, I could very easily fuck that guy's life up. But I'm not. I've moved on and um, called him an asshole, said my piece on my podcast. Hopefully he'll listen to it. And uh, that's just the end of the fucking story. There's really, uh, you know, nothing more to say about it, you know? Um, I absolutely believe that karma will catch up with that man. And uh, the only disappointing side of that is I think he's so thick that when the karma does strike, I don't know if he'll be able to trace it back and put the blame on himself. Like, fuck, I just lost my music career because I was such a dickhead to so many people over the years. But I'm telling you, he doesn't realize it because nobody has the balls to say it to him. But he has accumulated a lot of haters in his wake that he has fucked over with these false promises. And um, I'm sorry. I cannot help but believe and think in karma. And that one day, that he'll pay for that shit. He really will. And I seriously hope he Fs up his career. I cannot stand when somebody uses their little bit of fame or power or their ego to fuck with other people. And when you fuck with me, I get angry. And why do I get so angry? Because I go out of my way to not fuck with other people. I really do. And when I don't get that level of same respect, that's just what I should what I view as commonplace, you know? I get pissed off. If he had never offered me the job, no problem. Or if he had called me up and explained, hey, I'm sorry I offered you the job as my other guitar player, but I'm going to put the project on hold for now, then I would have been like, okay, I can get that. But the dude just literally gives somebody a gigantic gift that they've been waiting for for 26 years, and then two weeks later just pulls the rug out from under you without any fucking explanation. So imagine that. Imagine that your dream... I don't know what your dream is. What is your dream? If you could do anything fucking right now, what would it be? If you could just do anything or be anywhere, okay? Let's say you're driving down the road right now and uh, all you've ever wanted to do, the number one thing on your bucket list was uh, you wanted to go to Bora Bora in Tahiti, right? You wanted to stay on one of those awesome little huts over the fucking water you've seen on TV, right? Amazing, right? Let's say somebody calls you up and says, hey, bro. I'm going to fucking Bora Bora Tahiti for two weeks, and you're my plus one. And you're like, holy fuck. I never thought this would happen. I've waited my entire life for this. I'm going to fucking Bora Bora. And you tell everybody. You get excited. You tell your fucking family, your friends. You, you tell your dying mother. She's so fucking proud of you that your dream's finally coming true. And then two weeks later, right before the flight's supposed to leave to Bora Bora, that guy just completely ghosted you completely ghosts you he tells some other buddy of yours that he's just you know you're not going to Bora Bora anymore you're not given a reason he doesn't have the balls to tell you just just your dream was just ripped from you after it was just handed to you that is exactly what this fucking kid did to me and it, it is fucking disheartening it is disheartening and I I really see myself as being a good person I really do and um, 
I know I don't come across as being the best person all the time. Um, sometimes the things I say and the things I do can be interpreted as being, uh, you know, something other than what they were intended for. But I always come with the best intentions. You know, if I try to make people laugh and they don't or they get insulted, that was not my intent. My, my intent wasn't to make you angry or to insult you. It was to make you laugh. You know, um, anything I do, if it's taken out of context, you know, that's not how I meant it. I, I never mean to hurt people. I truly don't. I really, truly care about other people more than I care about myself. So when I'm disrespected and I'm hurt by somebody, it fucks me. It really fucks with me and it pisses me off to the point where, honest to God, I could have literally went and ripped this guy's arms and legs off and beat him to death with it. And it would be worth going to jail for You don't fuck with somebody who's going through the different shit that I'm going through in my life. Hand me my dream after 26 years of finally working with somebody who can sing and carry a note. And then you rip it away. And not even have the balls to tell me why you're in your own words. Seriously. People have committed suicide over that shit. And this is something the kid doesn't even realize. The kid doesn't even realize the turmoil he causes in people's lives. When um, you're in this business, and let's say you're an actor, and you told that you know you're now co-starring in a new Michael Bay film or some shit. You, you know, and, and the star is Tom Cruise, and then before filming starts, you fucking lose the gig. You know, you know how fucking disheartening that is to work for something for 26 years. 26 years. And this isn't 26 years of me playing the guitar in my basement. This is 26 years of traveling the country, driving 12 hours between shows for $20 with 12 other people stuffed in the back of a, a fucking U-Haul. You know? That's the eating dick phase that most people go through. And, um... You know? I would compare it to, let's say you play the lottery tonight. And you figure out that you've won $20 million, right? That's your particular dream. $20 million would be great, but it's not my dream. I would give up $20 million for other things right now. But let's say you hit it. And then uh, you're walking down to uh, the lottery office. And uh, the guy that sold you the ticket from the mart down the street, he just comes by on a bike and just takes it from you. And it just disappears. You're never able to find him again. That's literally what this dude did. And the dude is so fucked up and so egotistical and has his head so far up his ass, he doesn't even realize the carnage that he's leaving in his wake by just being uh, a dickhead. And again, he doesn't have anybody in his life that has the balls to just be like, listen, dude, you suck. Nobody has the balls. And that's because I think everybody around him wants something from him. His wife won't say it. His kid's too young to say it. And anybody that hangs out with him has some kind of a vested interest in maybe using him at some point. I don't know why. They just like to be around somebody that's got a little bit of fame in one state. You know? 
I don't give a shit about that. The reason I was excited, like I keep saying, is because for the first time in 26 years of being a musician, I actually had a singer that could truly sing. And I was like, finally, I have thousands of songs ready to go. Him and I get together, we can bang out an album, and it's going to be fucking huge. I know it would. My drummer friend that hooked me up with this guy knew it. He's been talking to him about me for fucking three years. And finally the dude was like, yeah man, you're my guy. Let's start this fucking project. And then like I said, two, three weeks later, nothing. All of it, gone. And I don't know why. Neither does my buddy who plays with him. But my buddy's very non-confrontational. He doesn't want to blow what he has with this guy. Even though this guy continually fucks with him and just fucked over his best friend. And that's the other problem I have. Is now I have a problem with my friend that drums for this guy. I have a problem with the musician. Because of how he fucks this great kid over repeatedly. But the kid just is so non-confrontational he won't stick up for himself. And now this kid is starting to, to fuck with me, his best friend. And when somebody fucks with my friends, I say something. I haven't said anything to this kid because I don't want to ruin what this kid has with him. Even though I think he's wasting his time. You know? Why, why, why do we go out of the way for people when they treat us like shit? I don't get it. Because I love him. Because it's fun. Because someday he might get a recording contract. No, man. Don't ride on someone else's fucking coattails. You know, I was upset about this for a day. I'm talking about it now in the podcast because I'm just trying to be 100% real with y'all. And uh, I've moved on from it. This guy is not the only singer out there. He was not my ticket out. I create my ticket. I create my own destiny. Not him. I wasn't trying to ride on his shoulders or ride on his coattails or anything. I wanted to join up as one unit not join his little fucking whatever it is. I wanted to join up as a singular unit and write together to create something that's never existed that I feel like the music industry is clamoring for. And everyone's been telling this guy the same vision, and for some fucking reason, the only of which I can explain is that the guy just wants all the glory, if he gets any, to himself. Literally. He doesn't want to have anyone else write he wants to be in 110% complete control over everything, and he wants everything done for him, and people do it for him. So the guy literally just fucks around all day. People just are constantly just doing shit for him. It's, it, it's nuts. It's really nuts. And this shit has always gone on, it's, it, and it's going to continue to go on um, until anybody does something about it. And it, I'm sorry that it has to be me. But um, anyways, this guy is not my ticket um, to stardom and fame. Okay, he was just a uh, he was just a fellow musician, a puzzle piece that I've been looking for for a while and happened to find. You know, there's other great uh, singers around here, but you know, just just like there are some great women out here, or if you're homosexual, there are some great men out here. You know, I don't know what you like. However, the good ones are usually taken, right? And that's just the case here, you know. Great singers are few and far between. 
and to find one that doesn't happen to already be in a band is very difficult and that's why for the last 26 years um i've never worked with a you know a real great singer and as great as of, of a singer as this guy is you are a piece of shit sir as a person you are you are a piece of shit all right let's move on so that's what happened early morning to me saturday is you know this shit finally came crashing down on me and i'm like what fucking pricks and then i find out they went to fucking breakfast and i didn't even get an invite to just even chill in the green room with them at the fucking show and i'm just like holy shit i went from being in this band and was supposed to play this gigantic show with like two thousand people there and now not only am i not in the band and don't know why because it's never been told or explained to me, but I'm not even being invited like I was before I got the band offer uh, to hang out with them, you know? There was other musicians I know that were on that bill that I could have got into last night, but I really didn't want the confrontation. I really didn't want to see either one of those motherfuckers. I still want to repair my friendship with my buddy, but that other fuck, that musician, I don't give a shit if right now I have just slammed the nail into the coffin of ever working with him again. I don't want to work with him. I don't. I don't. I'm sorry. You know? Another great buddy of mine told me to put up with his bullshit. That was up until he found out what he did. And he's like, he didn't just offer you that shit and then just take it away for no reason i'm like yeah he did he's like okay cut ties he's like that's fucked singers are few and far between but you don't want to work with a guy that fucking does that shit because just imagine if that shit hadn't come out and he did that and then like three years from now we're in the middle of a tour who knows what the fuck else this guy's gonna do you know if he fucks with people like that you know um Imagine what he might do to somebody else in the future. So just be wary. You're a lucky MF that I have not said your name on this podcast yet. You really are. And you're also lucky I haven't broken your legs. Because it would be... It would almost be worth it to me to get arrested for breaking your legs. Just to have the... Um, the just the sure joy of seeing somebody cause you pain. Because of the pain that you have caused so many other people. It's an eye for an eye, and I can only hope I'm not going to break your legs. I'm not going to do any of that shit. I've moved on. I'm talking about it now, but as God is my witness, I swear that karma will come back to haunt you. It truly will. And you made the biggest mistake of your life by doing what you did to me. You really did. And I know you can't see it, because you obviously didn't see it before. You don't. You can't see it. But when my album comes out, and you hear that fucking shit. And when I pass you on our way to the top, you're going to fucking realize how much you fucked up. And I can't wait. I can't wait to have a front row seat to when me and my group of musicians scoot right fucking past you. Even though you've been in this area for fucking 13 years. You're stale, bro. You're egotistical, bro. And you fucked yourself, bro. We lie in the beds we make. And your bed is fucking messy. Your breath stinks, and you're a dickhead. That's all I got to say. So yeah, that's how I spent the first part of my Saturday. Then, let me tell you what happened, okay? And this is the great pot, okay? 
I had to drive right up the middle of this shit show. What shit show am I referring to? The Let's Go Pick a Pumpkin! Let's go look at the leaves! Let's go get lost in a corn maze! You pumpkin pie-eating motherfuckers, holy shit. I'm telling you, man, if this area didn't already have enough tourists, when the leaves change colors up here, everybody loses their fucking minds when the leaves on the trees die, okay? Oh, look at the dead brown leaves! Oh my god, the fucking leaves! Holy shit, people. Let me tell you something. I've seen leaves when they're green and they're alive and when they're dead. And they're a lot cooler when they're, <laughs> when they're green, alright? But holy shit, the fucking traffic. The horror show! All right, I don't know if you live in a touristy area of the world or the country, but this is a very high tourism, uh, little like 20 mile radius area that I live in. But in the Northeast United States, every fall, when the leaves change colors, you got people that fly here from all over the world. And just think about that concept. People are flying to Massachusetts, Connecticut, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, you know, to see the leaves, to see fucking leaves, the leaf peepers, and holy shit, as if traffic around here wasn't nutty enough, just because of the influx of people in the tourism, but when the leaf peepers come out, you'd think they had never seen a fucking leaf before, okay, these are leaves people, I know they look pretty because they turn brown, but so does my shit, That's another thing. Are you one of those people? Some people, I feel like, they actually wipe after taking a shit, and they don't look at what they created. Me? I stand up, and I look at... I, I marvel at what I just dropped off, you know? That's brown. The leaves are brown. But is everybody marveling at the, at the wonderful different shades of color their shit like they are at the leaves? I mean, honest to God, people. You're looking at dead things. The leaves have turned brown and orange and gold because they're dead. And they're going to eventually just fall to the ground. And then we have to rake them up, right? That's what you're looking at. So you're literally driving 30 miles an hour on a 70-mile highway, looking out the windows at a bunch of dead things on trees, causing accidents left and right, and causing me to fucking flip my mind. So yeah, as nutty as traffic always is around here, when the leaf peepers come out, it's nuts. You're looking at leaves, people. You ever seen a screensaver or something that shows pictures of leaves? It's cool. It's great. Go on to, go on to one of my friggin' social media pages. I also do photography. You'll see some, uh, a really great shot that I took um, in Massachusetts last year of this dirt road that I was riding my four-wheeler on, uh, and it was just lined with the beautiful leaves. It's it, it's a cool picture, okay? But I really don't think that you need to make a vacation out of it and fly here, okay? Just to see leaves, okay? 
there are locals that are trying to drive behind you on some of these highways and back roads that are just trying to get to work or home. And you're literally going half the speed limit. Not even looking where you're going. So you can look at the fucking leaves, right? So I'm telling you, I mean, I had to take a trip um, Saturday afternoon before I got the invite to Boston. And I had to go up into New Hampshire, okay? In New Hampshire, like I explained on the last podcast, where I live, it takes me 30 minutes to get into Connecticut, Boston, New Hampshire, New York. It doesn't matter, okay? So I had to go up to New Hampshire, right? Saturday afternoon. And I'm dealing with all of these people with the New York plates and the friggin' rent the cars and everyone's going nuts, right? Looking at the leaves. The leaves are so pretty, right? They're all at the fucking peak color right now. And I swear to God, as I was driving around, if that wasn't heart attack enough inducing, you know, I don't know what is. But literally, these drivers are like a combination of Stevie Wonder, Michael J. Fox, and like Napoleon. All inside of a foreign object with no gas pedal, no blinkers, and no blake lights. Okay, so just imagine that you put Stevie Wonder, who's blind, right? Michael J. Fox, who's uh, who shakes a lot, right? Probably can't drive a car too well, and then Napoleon, just a guy. I don't know what year a, a, a fucking Napoleon lived, but he he lived what hundreds of years ago. So if you were to stick Napoleon into a car, do you think he would be able to operate it? No, but this is the level of driving I see around here. Is it's literally like. You don't have any idea what you're doing. You're blind, have Parkinson's, and your brake lights don't work, your blinkers don't work, and for some reason, when a traffic light turns green, your gas pedal doesn't get pushed down. That is another uh, thing that I just can't figure out. Okay? So, drivers around here, especially with the leaves, it's like fucking Stevie Wonder's driving. And Michael J. Fox is holding the steering wheel, so you're going back and forth in between the fucking lanes, almost running people off the road. You're driving half the speed limit, you know, you brake quickly, you accelerate slowly, you turn without using your fucking signals. You're driving like you have no fucking clue how to operate a car or what you're doing. And these are the people that cause accidents, right? It's not me in the left lane doing 75, it's you in the right lane going 50 in a 65 zone, not watching what the fuck you're doing. Those are the people that cause the accidents, okay? But I mean, what is this fascination with leaves, people? They're dead. They're brown. They're just, they're just holding onto that branch for dear life, and everyone's just driving around fixated on them. I mean, people just, I mean, seriously, they flock here from around the world to see dead fucking leaves. And I'm like... Just believe me, sweetheart, all right? They're better looking alive. Trust me. I fucking live here, okay? I mean, for Christ's sakes, people. I mean, you know, every year these people fuck me up, you know? You know, there's some fall shit I like. I mean, I love Halloween. Halloween's always been my favorite holiday. I love it. I love Halloween. Why do I love Halloween? Because, um... I just like everything that's tied into it. I love the scary movies. I like the cool, crisp uh, air of the Northeast. You know, like right now, it's like 65 degrees outside. No humidity, but tonight it'll get down to like 40. 
you know, which is like good sweatshirt, light jacket weather. It's not fucking freezing or snowing yet. You know what I'm saying? It's like perfect. It's like San Diego winter weather here right now. It's perfect. Um, so yeah, you got crisp, cool fall air. Football season is underway. It's playoff baseball. You got Halloween themed stuff all around, which I love. I love scary movies and all that shit. Um, and all the stuff that goes into it. But the fucking leaves! Let's go pick a fucking zucchini! Let's carve a fucking pumpkin! Holy fuck, man. I mean, honest to God. Let's go pick some asparagus! Oh, you know, anybody do any of that shit this weekend? Did your kids or your wife or your husband, did they drag you to see some leaves, pick up a fucking pumpkin, buy like 10 stalks of dead corn to, you know, wrap around your, uh, you know, your mailbox to make your house look more homey and fall-like? shit fuck i i don't know i don't get it you know i guess there's a lot of things i don't get like women right isn't that a joke that was a line from someone here yeah there's a lot of shit your ass don't get like good grades and women can't remember what movie that comes from but yeah man i love the fall i really do you know and then November comes, and, you know, the football, and Thanksgiving, and then you got Christmas distractions, and then the New Year's. And then from there, it is just all suck. The suck that is the New England winter. Because I tell you, I fucking hate the cold. I hate the snow. All right, okay. I'll pump the brakes. I used to love the snow. I did. As a kid, I loved the snow. I loved it. The more snow we got, the better, right? Snow days when you were in school, were the best, especially as a senior, because every snow day you got, you didn't have to make it up at the end of the year, so you weren't in school till like, August, right? Because that's what happens. Some school years run to, like, what, like, the end of June now, or, like, mid to late June, and then if you had, like, 15 snow days, now you're, like, almost going to school until, like, July 4th, and then you have to go back around Labor Day? That sucks. You hardly get a summer. The best part of going to school and being a kid was your fucking summer vacations, right? But, yeah, as a senior, right? Every snow day we got, we didn't have to make that shit up. Because come June 4th, we were graduating. It didn't matter how many snow days. So we loved it. Snow days were fucking great. I tell you, they were great. It was just a free day off from school. I'd fuck off to my girlfriend's house. You know, we'd have sex all day. It was fantastic, right? But yeah, I used to love the snow. I really did. I used to ski. I used to love to drive in it. It was great. However, like everything else, people ruin it. People have ruined the snow for me, okay? And again, this is all about me, you know? <laughs> but yeah, like everything else that, you know, we love, people tend to ruin it. And people have ruined my love of the snow. And how have they ruined it? Driving. Driving for me in the snow, it's cake. It really isn't. I've been driving in the snow since before I even had my license. I've never had snow tires on my car. I've always owned front-wheel drive cars with just regular all-season tires on them. And I have driven through some of the deepest snow, long, 
long ways and never had a fucking problem. But you'll literally see people around here that have all-wheel drive, like, Subaru Outbacks. Now, let me tell you something. I don't care if you live on a gigantic hill or have an hour commute and you live in the snowiest part of the Northeast United States. If you have an all-wheel drive Subaru with just regular, standard, all-weather tires on them, you can go fucking anywhere. Okay? I'm not saying you can go off-road into 10 feet of fucking snow, but as far as driving goes, up your driveway, down the road, if you have an all-wheel drive vehicle, okay, or a four-wheel drive, even if it has all-season tires on it, you're not getting stuck. And if you do, you just suck at driving. That's it. I've had front-wheel drive cars my whole life with all-season tires, sometimes just summer tires, and I've never had a problem. But you have people in this area that are literally afraid and nervous to drive in the snow, yet they still go out and they do it, which is another problem, because they're the ones that cause the accidents. Or it's the guy that, you know, thinks just because they're in an SUV that has all-wheel drive that they can go down the highway, a snow-packed highway at 90. That's not going to work either. But what really makes me laugh and scratch my head, and I'm still waiting to find somebody that has this setup and then walk up to them and just say, excuse me, can I ask you a question? Why the fuck do you have studded snow tires on your all-wheel drive vehicle? That's like literally putting on three condoms when your wife or girlfriend has her tubes tied and are taking birth control. There's just no reason for it. If you have an all-wheel drive vehicle, okay, even if you have bald summer tires on it, you can make it to your destination. You truly can. It just takes what's called a little bit of driving skill, okay? That's all it takes. But people around here will take like a brand new all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive truck, and they'll not only put snow tires on it, they'll put studded snow tires on it. I know if you've never lived anywhere where it snows, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But they sell tires... You've heard of tires, right, that go on cars, the rubber things, okay? They sell tires that do better, okay, in snow than the all-season or summer tires that are meant for just, you know, summer, non-snowy driving. So they don't just go out and spend $500 to put snow tires on their already perfectly capable snow vehicle, but they buy the studded ones, which literally have little metal studs that come out of it. Okay, now if you had to drive up a hundred degree incline that was ice, I could see you putting studded snow tires. If you had to, you know, climb straight up a building that was ice, that's a reason to get studded snow tires on your car. But I'm telling you, people, if you already have an all-wheel drive car, to go and put winter tires or studded snow tires on it is ridiculous. It literally is. It's no different than. Um, you know, already having your seatbelt on in your car, but you have to put on eight more. It's it's not helping you. You're just wasting money. And the instant that, uh, you know, you can hear people coming down the road a mile away when they have studded snow tires. Because when there's no snow on the ground, the car, like, hums and you can just hear the metal spikes hitting the road. It's, it's friggin' awful. But so many people do it. And it's just like, holy shit. 
There's people I know that actually drive like Ford Mustangs or Camaros around here that are rear-wheel drive. If you've never heard of how bad a rear-wheel drive car is in the snow, it's bad, okay? A rear-wheel drive car and even a little bit of snow will, har will hardly go anywhere. But there's people that still live in the Northeast United States that have rear-wheel drive Mustangs that they won't even put snow tires on and they'll make it through the winter. You get it? The absolute worst type of vehicle to drive in the snow with the worst type of tires, people make it through the winter here with that car. And then you have people that have the all-wheel drive or the four-wheel drive super big SUVs and then they put studded snow tires on them. <laughs> it makes so little sense to me that I've been tempted to literally chase down somebody that does this and ask them to pull over just so I can ask them why. I, I, I just want to know. I want to know what made you think that your all-wheel drive outback just couldn't make it through that five inches of snow that you just had to go out there and get fucking thousand dollar studded snow tires. But you know what? I already know the reason because they're nervous. You know, next time you're on the highway, look out your window at the other drivers. If you see somebody that's sitting real close to the wheel and they're really gripping the wheel at 10 and 2, right? Those are the nervous ones. And I see them all the time. Those are the ones that'll be in the right lane going like 10 miles an hour under the speed limit on a beautiful summer day. And they're, you know, real up close to the steering wheel into the windshield. And they're just gripping that steering wheel for fucking dear life you can see the veins popping out in their fucking arms and shit those are the scary people those are the people who are genuinely frightened to be driving around and there's people that get frightened when they're driving in the snow because you can lose control if you don't know what you're doing and therein lies the problem not enough people know what the fuck they're doing behind the wheel of an automobile they really don't okay um, you know, you take the worst Sunday clueless idiot driver that you've ever been behind, right? Now picture that's every driver around you, and they're all scared to death, okay? You'd think they were driving on a cracking, you know, on ice that was cracking on a lake. They're just crawling, okay? And most of the time when this happens, okay, the roads are just a little wet or slushy. For some reason, the majority of our snow in the winter likes to fall at night. But then by the time everyone wakes up for work or whatever, or even if the snow happens in the afternoon and now you're driving home, okay, the plows are usually out pretty quick and they're putting sand down. So you never have to plow through unplowed roads. You really don't. Unless you get home and there's two feet of snow in your driveway, okay? Then I could see your car not making up it, right? But regardless... Of the most insane blizzard that we might get or the nor'easter in Massachusetts okay you go out and the main roads are usually going to be somewhat plowed you're only going to have to go through two three four five inches tops tops on even the most back road if the plows haven't got to it yet right and I'm just telling you a front-wheel drive car with regular tires can get through three four or five inches of snow Maybe not four or five inches of snow. All the cars I have, they're kind of high-performance, sporty cars, but I make sure they're front-wheel drive because 
you know, I don't want to deal with the rear-wheel drive in the snow in the Northeast. But the second I move out of this fucking nightmare state, I'm getting a rear-wheel drive car. I really am. Because if you, if you like to drive, and you like sports cars like I do, it doesn't get any better than rear-wheel drive, or even all-wheel drive. But, you know, only if you're using the all-wheel drive for the performance aspect of it. People up here buy the all-wheel drive because they think all of a sudden it just makes you a better driver, and it doesn't. The only thing that all-wheel drive is going to do for you that's different than front-wheel drive is it's going to help you grip the road better when you're starting off from a stop, okay? So let's say me in my car, that's front-wheel drive, is at a stoplight next to somebody that's in a Subaru Outback, okay? And there's two inches of snow on the ground. That light turns green, that Subaru is going to be able to floor it and those wheels will work and, you know, all four wheels will kind of, you know, torque it, torque themselves back and forth. And that car will take off pretty quick, okay? It's not going to do a lot of slipping. Me, my tires are going to spin. I kind of have to start off a little bit slowly and not give it too much gas and then eventually get up to speed, right? But that's where the advantage of all-wheel drive ends. Because now let's say we're both side by side going 30 miles an hour and we go around a corner or we have to brake. Your all-wheel drive system's not going to help you. All-wheel drive, four-wheel drive, your snow tires, your studded snow tires, the only time they help is when you're at a stop. That's it. Once both of our cars are now underway, they're going to act the same, regardless of whether you have front, rear, or all-wheel drive, except when you go around a corner. When you go around a corner and it's snowy, if you're going too fast, the whole car is, the whole car is gonna slide, right? You know, you try to make a right-hand turn around a corner and you're going too fast and you turn the wheels to the right, the momentum of the car on the slippery surface is gonna wanna keep you going straight. Now, if you have a rear-wheel drive car and you go around a corner and it's slippery, and you give it a lot of gas because it's the rear wheels, the back end is going to slide out. If you have a front-wheel drive car going around a right-hand turn and you give it a lot of gas, the car is going to oversteer and pull to the right because it's the front tires, right? If it's an all-wheel drive car and you're going around a corner and you give it a lot of gas, the whole car is going to slide out because all four wheels are now pushing you in that dimension. So, this is the stuff that driver's education does not cover. Driver's education does not teach people, whether it's through books, classroom, or actual in-the-car experience, how to drive in wet weather or how to drive in snow. Uh, that's, that's the whole problem here, people, is that uh, the, the reason why I think uh, that, you know, there's so many accidents and so many bad drivers is it comes down to a lack of education. You know, they say that the fast drivers are the ones that cause the accidents, but it's not. It's it's the overly nervous one in the right lane going eight miles per hour, right? And then everybody wants to pass them, and then it makes too many people passing in the snow, and that's when the accidents happen. Or I see it all the time. It's the person that's overly stupid that thinks just because they're in their Dodge Durango and it weighs two tons, and it has four-wheel drive, that they can just go down a snow-covered highway going 90, and um, at any given second, they could just lose control. 
you know, they don't realize that uh, that four-wheel drive system isn't going to keep them on the road at speed. Again, four-wheel drive, all-wheel drive, only good in the snow for starting off from a stop. Other than that, once you're under speed, whether you have front-wheel drive, all-wheel drive, or rear-wheel drive, it doesn't matter until you start giving it gas and going around a corner, then the car is going to act differently, right? But all of this, okay, is education. And I have a solution. Ready? Driving school. But we already have a driver's ed. No, okay? We go to driver's ed when we're 16 years old, right? And we just learn the basics, right? How to start the car, how to use a blinker, even though people fucking forget that, right? And then... Many years go by and we're never tested again. So it's poor education to start with at an early age, right? And then we don't teach people, whether it's through classroom or, you know, through an actual uh, experience, how to drive and how to, you know, get out of a skid, whether it's on a wet road or ice or anything, if you're hydroplaning. You know, there's actual driving courses that you can take, right, where they put you in a car and they make the road wet or icy or snowy and they purposely get you into a skid they get you comfortable with if shit starts to go wrong when you're driving in poor weather conditions how to get out of it how not to be nervous why don't we make that standard procedure for driving right why don't we educate drivers a lot more than we do and why don't we make people take a mandatory class that actually puts them in a car for an entire day at a closed off track like you can buy that teaches people how to control a skid how to control a hydroplaning how to steer out of a skid whether it's in snow uh you know the differences between four-wheel drive rear-wheel drive and all-wheel drive when it comes to going around a corner or skidding or hydroplaning teach people this in a day through real world experience and i guarantee you our roads are going to clear up. There's going to be less accidents. But then I'm thinking that's not going to work out either, right? Because, you know, the insurance company, if your son or daughter gets their license and they haven't taken driver's ed, your their car insurance, your car insurance is going to be astronomical. But if you take the driver's ed course, right, there's a big discount. But think about that. Let's say we did start testing people more thoroughly at age 16 and actually put them through a driving course or let's say you're new to this country and you're 40 and you go to get your license you have to take this course maybe every five years you should have to take a refresher course cars are very expensive very heavy weapons that just like anything else if we're operating it with a level of stupidity like i see 99 percent of us doing it causes people to die and it causes accidents, right? I think cars kill more people than, uh, you know, guns and every and whole other shit in this country. But are we banning cars? No. Can a car be used as a weapon and to cause mass carnage? Fuck yeah, it can. Anything can. Look at the Boston Marathon bombing. Was a single gun used in that? No. It was two kids that looked up how to make pressure cooker bombs on the internet. Did anybody talk about banning pressure cookers? 
No. Okay? It just goes to show you, people, that banning guns because there's more gun violence, okay, isn't going to solve anything. There's always been guns. There always will be. Guns aren't the problem. Guns don't kill people. People kill people. A car can be used as a weapon. Look at 9-11. Look at all the people that got fucked up over 9-11. It's just a handful of terrorists with box cutters and a good plan. That's it. There was no weapon involved other than a box cutter and ingenuity. They used a plane with a full fuel tank as a weapon. Never been thought of before. Evil does not exist within a car, a plane, or a gun. It exists in the minds and the hearts of the people that use them for evil. So fuck off with your gun control laws, okay? Fuck off with your this and that and your other thing. Because anything can be used as a weapon. Okay? Let's, let's, let's ban planes because they can be used as a weapon. Let's ban pressure cookers because they can be used as a weapon. Let's ban uh, cars can be, because they can be used as a weapon. Fuck. I mean, you know, I have a uh, little screwdriver in my hand right now. You don't think I could go stab the fuck out of five people before I get arrested with this little screwdriver? Of course I could. Are we going to ban screwdrivers? I mean, this is how I would explain something to a five-year-old. And, uh, you know, I'm sure most of my listeners are older than five years old. Why is this so hard to understand, okay? Banning guns isn't going to fix it. Banning vaping isn't going to fix the vape problem, okay? Banning anything, it just nothing works like that, okay? Just like I talked about, on other podcasts, this whole recent vape ban, nobody in Massachusetts, nobody has stopped. Nobody. Not a single person who vaped before it was legal has stopped. Now that has become illegal. Nobody. I haven't stopped. No one else has stopped. You know what everyone's doing? They're buying cigarettes or they take a little quick 20-minute trip over the border into one of the other states that'll gladly sell you it. So all our president, not our president, all of, all the Massachusetts governor has done is push people into different states. Other states are now getting that revenue. Nobody stopped. That's what politicians don't get. And that's what's fucking crazy to me is it's so stupid. If you cancel something out that people like and that people do, People are going to continue to do it, whether you make it legal or not. The speed limit, the legal speed limit in this state on, you know, let's say the Massachusetts Turnpike, right, is either 55 or 65, depending on where you are. You don't think that there's thousands of people a day that go 66 or above? You're breaking the law. Just because you have laws in place does not mean that people won't break them. Heroin's illegal. Are there still millions of fucking people strung out on it? Yes, but it's illegal. It doesn't stop anybody. Just like I said, if you were to ban alcohol in this country tomorrow, do you think everyone's just going to stop drinking? Fuck no. You're going to create a huge black market. You're going to push it underground. That's all you've done. For years, marijuana was illegal everywhere, right? Did it mean that people didn't smoke it? Of course they fucking did. The same people that were smoking marijuana in Massachusetts before it became legal are still smoking it now that it's legal. We didn't care that it was illegal. It's illegal to drunk drive, but people do it all fucking night and day long. 
people don't care. Making something banned or illegal or illicit or forbidden isn't going to ever solve fucking anything. Sorry. Name an instance where it has. Name it. Name an instance where our government or anybody has come up with a law and it has just stopped everyone from doing that, whatever that fucking law is. It'll never work. It'll never happen. So you went and banned vape in Massachusetts. Everybody's still vaping. All you've done is just hurt local businesses and pushed business out of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and into the hands of uh, you know people in New Hampshire, Vermont, and everywhere else. That's what's happened. So yeah, the whole driver's ed thing. That's it. I mean, honest to God, I mean, if you think the traffic where you live is bad, let's say you're in California, you live in, I don't know where you live, okay? You think it's bad there, right? Come to the northeast United States when it rains. You think we would know how to drive in the rain because we, because we drive in the snow six months out of the year. But I'm telling you, when, we, when it snows here, despite the fact that it's the northeast and we get heavy winters... Every fucking year since the planet was around, right? People still get nervous and they can't drive in the snow. When it snows here, it's like the world stops. Like, have you ever seen the videos of, like, when it might snow in, like, Tallahassee, right? Where there's, like, a dusting of snow on the ground and people just, like, the whole world stops? It's kind of like that here, but just a little better, you know? We should be used to it. But we're not. Because even when it rains here... Even when it rains, okay, people freak out and they'll go half the speed limit. I mean, have you ever really tried to whip your car around when it's raining? I have. I really try to push my car safely so I can know what it can do, okay? Especially when I buy a new one. I want to know how well the brakes work, how well it handles in the wet, the snow. I fuck with it, right? I've literally tried to get my car to skid on wet roads, and you gotta, I mean, you gotta fucking push it. I mean, really push it to get your car to skid on just a wet, rainy road. So these people that slow down to literally 40 miles an hour on a highway just because it's, it's raining out, they are the ones that are now causing the problems because the people who were doing the speed limit that were in the right lane now have to get into the left lane to pass the one that's going 40. And then the people that were doing 70 have to all of a sudden break. It, 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 it's just a nightmare. People don't know how to drive and they're nervous. And I'm telling you, there's a way to fix this. And it's called education. Right? Cars are very expensive. They cause a lot of death and destruction. Right? But yet we just hand people a license after they're able to prove that they can start a car and, you know, use a blinker. You know? You know? It's nuts. And I think the written test, you have to get like a 60% or better and they handed you a license. So, you know, if you happen to get the part wrong where it says, when a light turns red, what does it mean? And you press, you know, you say, oh, red means go. You know, if you happen to get that question wrong, but you still got above a 60 or 70%, here's your license. <laughs> and this is why. This is why when it rains or it snows or even it's a beautiful day out, you're going to find somebody in a 70 mile an hour highway going 40. 
just fucking your day up in the lengths that I've thought about going through to try to pull these people over just to ask them why just I'm not trying to be a dickhead sir I would just love to know you're like the eighth wonder of the world to me please explain to me why on a beautiful three-lane highway on a beautiful summer day and you're in a brand new vehicle that you're driving 40 in a 65 mile an hour highway why I'm not gonna make fun of you I'm just literally curious as fuck. Like, I'm curious about aliens and UFOs, and I'm curious what tr makes Trump tick and that kind of shit. I'm just curious. I am, I'm, a, I'm, I'm like Curious George, right? Literally. I want to know what goes through some of these people's heads that just makes me just shake mine and just scratch it going, what the fuck? Literally, the levels I've thought about going through just to, you know, get these people to pull over just so I could ask them that question is astonishing you know i thought about putting police lights on my car even though i'm not a police officer that would get me in trouble i thought about putting uh like one of those digital signs on the side of my car where i could maybe quickly type out on a computer and have the message scroll like why the fuck did you do that you know i i, I just want to know do you know why please if somebody knows the answer to any of these questions that boggle my mind i'm all over social media just search reality drip we have a page on every social media possible. Leave a comment on a YouTube video. Tell me. Explain it to me. Okay? Educate me. Tell me why somebody would do 40 miles an hour on a highway. I get it. Maybe the car's broken down, right? Won't go any faster. That happens, right? I get that. But there's no effing way that everybody I see going half a speed limit has car, has car trouble. Because I experience it every day. And that's not just on the highway. It's even on local roads. Happened to me multiple times Saturday. With all the leaf peepers out. You know? Literally, you're on a back road. A gorgeous back road. And the speed limit is 50. And you got people that are doing 30. Just oblivious. There's like 2,000 cars lined up behind them. And they're just... You know? I mean, do, do you ever look in your rearview mirror and be like, holy fuck. There's like 2,000 cars stacked up behind me, and I'm going 20 miles an hour below the speed limit. I think I'm ruining people's day. No, because everybody is just fucking oblivious to everybody around them and how the things that they're doing could be affecting other people. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody gives a shit. So the next time you go leaf peeping, and you look in your rearview mirror, right? And you got 50 people behind you that look like they're about to run you off the road. Pull over for a second. Let the people buy. And then you got more time to look at the leaves. Right? And if you don't want to be in an accident this winter and you're scared to drive in the snow, there are courses you can take that the government should supply people when they get their license or before they can get their license that will teach you. They will teach you with an instructor in a completely safe environment how to... Take your car out of a skid if you're doing 100 miles an hour. They'll teach you all of that. So if you ever get in a hydroplane situation or a skid situation, you'll know how to recover from it and not crash, and you'll no longer become nervous. But I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's equally the problem of nervous drivers, whether it's sunny or snowy or rainy out, to the drivers that think that they're just um, invincible. That's equally a problem. 
I cannot tell many. I cannot tell you in my life uh, how many people I've seen blow by me on a highway in their SUV because they think they're oblivious, just just because they have all-wheel drive, and then a few miles up the road they'll literally be down in the medium in a ditch, and I fucking laugh my ass off. I said, "Ha ha ha! You fucker! I knew it." You know, just because you have some big tank of a truck, it doesn't mean that at a split second your car just can't start going sideways. It happens. It does. It doesn't matter if you have rear-wheel drive or front-wheel drive or fucking studded snow tires. At any given second, driving on a snow-covered highway, your car can just all of a sudden just go left for no reason. And you need to be able to react to it. All right? But you're not doing yourself any fucking favors by, uh, by being scared or putting studded snow tires in your car. Studded snow tires aren't going to make you a better driver, all right? They're really not. They just make you look even stupider, you know? When you're putting studded snow tires on a, on a car that's already built to go through a foot of snow. It's just, it's just overkill, all right? It's just, you know, that's it. But, you know, I, I don't think they're ever going to, you know, make driver's ed better or they're not going to retest drivers because that would make too much sense, right? Because if we had all these drivers out there actually driving a little bit aggressive, but a little bit of, uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? You know, I'm not saying everyone needs to go out there and speed, but if we just had everybody just driving good, right, there'd be less accidents, right? But, the, but I don't know, maybe the insurance companies would start losing money, or, you know, because they couldn't raise people's rates up, right? If you get in an accident, even if it's not your fault, your fucking car insurance rate's going way up. They can't wait. It doesn't matter if you've been paying premiums for 30 years, you know? You you tap your your garage door with your car, and you got to now pay your $500 de deductible to now fix your bumper. Your insurance rate's going up. It doesn't matter if you've been a perfect driver for 30 years and you've been paying your premiums on time. They are going to say, fuck you, we're raising your rate. It happens. It's happened to me. It's madness. All right, and we're back. I just had to pause the uh, podcast there because uh, old Johnny boy was about to piss himself. You know, I'm getting older. The bladder's getting weaker. I can't hold it. I've also had a lot of coffee. You know, you know what coffee does to you? Makes you have to go pee. So anyways, yeah. So, yeah. My weekend. Uh, Friday night. I don't remember what I did. But Saturday started off with that ill shit. Then uh, my little trip to New Hampshire. And uh, to the mall afterwards. Uh, was uh, definitely uh, interrupted by the Leaf Peepers. Picking the zucchini! Let's go pick a fucking zucchini! Let's go get lost in a corn maze! Let's go on the haunting hayride! Yeah, and then yesterday, like I said, I just slept. I was lazy. I fucked off and just watched, you know, NFL, playoff baseball. I even missed, uh, you know, I was supposed to record this podcast last night. I wanted it ready for Monday morning. But, uh, yeah, old Johnny boy fell asleep on the couch with his hand on his pants like fucking Al Bundy. And I woke up at like 9.30 and I said, oh, shit. So, yeah, I wasn't about to record this podcast that, that late at night, even though it's not late for me. I do have neighbors. 
And, uh, yeah. Anyways, so yeah, I just wasn't in the mood to do the podcast at that point. But, you know, I was tired. I needed it. I was out late until the wee hours of the morning, Sunday morning. You know, we had to come home from Boston. So listen to this. I'm watching, uh, I, I, I was talking about this earlier. But, but again, you, you need to check this out. You need to check it out because whether you love Trump or you hate Trump or whether you don't have an opinion of him, this fucking Trumpy bear is fucking hilarious. So this is what was happening, right? Last night I had Comedy Central on and there was a commercial for a Trumpy bear, right? It's a teddy bear that's dressed just like Trump. Um, and it's such an obvious like fuck you to Trump or to Trump haters done in a super super sarcastic way but it's so over the top that i really that i honestly thought it was a spoof commercial from comedy central i thought this was a uh, little spoof uh commercial uh that comedy central was running for some kind of upcoming comedy sketch or something like that but as it turns out this was a real commercial because at the end of it um they had a real 800 number like a real 800 number to call. And then they had that whole like two easy payments of 1995. And I'm like, there is no fucking way that thing is real. There is no way that thing is real. So sure enough, I fucking Googled it and the bear is real. You know, evidently Viacom, a.k.a. the devil, isn't the only uh, you know TV station to be running this commercial? Uh, it's been spotted on uh, Fox uh, uh, Fox stations as well. Evidently, somebody saw it uh, as a commercial on Fox News, which I think hates Trump, right? Or are they pro Trump? I can't remember. But anyways, this thing is uh, it's close to sixty dollars all in after you've paid your tax and your shipping. But it's a fucking teddy bear with the Trump face, the Trump hair, the, the eyebrows, his tie. And in the back of this thing, right, there's a compartment that you unzip, and then there's an American flag that fucking folds out of it that people can use as a bl as a blanket. So in the commercial, you know, you got the lady on the couch, and she's got her Trump bear on her lap, and she's you know hugging the bear with all her might, you know her your you know her emotional support Trump bear, and she gets a little chilly, and she's just able to unzip the back of the bear, and, you know wrap herself around in the american fucking flag i don't know who thought of this shit i don't know if they're trying to make fun of trump or they're trying to make fun of the trump haters but this fucking thing is hilarious watch the commercial all you have to do is google trumpy bear and that's okay that's trump with a y at the end of it and then bear trumpy bear uh, the website I went to, which I have pulled up right now, the picture and the uh, the picture in the fucking commercial are hilarious. Uh, GetTrumpyBear.com, but I'm sure you can find the commercial if you just Google Trumpy Bear. But that's Trump with a Y in the end of it. Bear. Uh, the specific website I'm looking at is www.GetTrumpyBear.com. Okay, watch the commercial. I don't care if you love Trump, if you hate him, the fucking commercial and the bear is hilarious, okay? So, you'll thank me later. Evidently, you know, I did a little bit of research. Evidently, this bear came out in, like, 2017. Um, didn't get a lot of traction, but now it's starting to pop up in, like, regular TV commercials. Like, they're, you know, advertising 
whatever, you know, but it's an actual Trump bear. <laughs> I love it. I don't know who created that, but I give you huge props. Uh, something else I wanted to talk about. I know we're starting to get late into the podcast. I talked way too long about the topics I wanted to talk about, but uh, Colin Kaepernick. Anybody know who Colin Kaepernick is? You must. Even if you don't follow sports, you must have heard the name Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick was, and I suppose he still is, a professional NFL quarterback. He used to play for the San Francisco 49ers. And on one fateful day, he took a knee during the national anthem that then proceeded to piss off an entire country of people that uh, didn't see the message he was trying to get across. And here it is, I don't know how many years later, what, what has it been, three, four years since Kaepernick took a knee? And there was that whole knee-taking thing in our national anthem, you know? They they wanted to bring up the narrative about police brutality, especially police brutality having to deal with uh, people of color, black people. And, um, you know, rather than people listening to them, the second they took a knee during the um, playing of the national anthem. That's where they lost everybody. Um, I don't want to go into the bit. It's been talked about. Uh, my buddy Bill Burr recently did a bit about this, how just nobody was able to see the guy's point. They just went, my brother's fucking a firefighter. I, uh, I fought in Iraq. You're going to diss the country. It just... They just, they just flipped out, and everyone's just like, whoa, 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 okay? Nobody's saying you aren't patriotic. Nobody's saying you're not a fucking firefighter or a first responder or that you're not fighting in Iraq. That's not what this guy's point was, everybody. But everybody just flipped. I can still remember social media from that day, you know? There was people I know that didn't get upset about anything, that went on social media and said, I am never fucking watching football again after that fuck did that. I mean, people just flipped the fuck out. And it's like, all right, let's pump the brakes here, okay? Again, I see Kaepernick's side of it, and I see the other side of it, okay? I think police brutality is a real thing. Um, especially when it comes to the black community. I think it's a real concern, okay? So definitely something that needed to be talked about, right? And he took it upon himself to be a pro athlete to raise that concern, to open up that dialogue. The only thing he did wrong is he chose just the worst platform to do it on, okay? Because when you're going to stand there and disrespect the country or the national anthem, which so many people are patriotic about that shit, you're, you're, you're just going to lose people's attention no matter what you had to say. Okay? The second he took a knee during that national anthem, it did not matter what his message was. People were just going to be blinded by what he did. Okay? So, I... I applaud him for doing what he did because his intent was to capture people's attention to a serious topic, right? But everybody focused the attention on what he did and not the topic that he was trying to bring light to. 
So I applaud him for that. I get that. I see his message. I understand why he did what he did. But I also see the other side of it and why people got so freaked out and flipped out, you know. And, um, you know, he was back in the news recently because people are still very sensitive to the fact that, you know, this guy was just trying to uh, bring awareness to a serious issue about police brutality in reference to black people. And because he chose to speak out on it, here he is four years later, still in great shape, still an NFL quarterback, but he can't get a job. Apparently recently, all 32 NFL teams said they are not interested in hiring Colin Kaepernick. And if you think about it, that is a pretty sad state of affairs. I don't give a shit at this point that he knelt during the national anthem. Was I a little bit like, whoa, I can't believe he did that that day? Yeah, I was. But now that the smoke has settled, I understand what he did. I applaud him for what he did. And I do think it's fucked up that the dude can't get another job. Because there are plenty of backup spots that could be, even, you know, second and third string spots that could be given to Colin Kaepernick. You know, he wasn't the world's best quarterback, but he's certainly better than some of the backups that are on rosters out there. And why? Just because the guy made a mistake? Maybe he doesn't even think of it as a mistake. You know? I mean, obviously he chose the wrong platform. You know? It, 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 it didn't really matter what he had to say or who you were. If you were going to kneel for the first time in front of a big crowd and disrespect the country and the flag and the anthem, it didn't matter who it was, whether you were white, white green, or red, or what your message was, nobody was going to listen. They just saw that act of kneeling and went, <gasps> and that was it. It didn't matter what you had to say. And the guy is still paying for that, okay? He wasn't trying to piss on America, or piss on the flag, or disrespect your brother in the Navy, or disrespect your mother in the Army, okay? Or you in the fucking, in the Navy, okay? All the guy was trying to do was open a dialogue and get people to take the police brutality and the Black Lives Matter thing a little bit more seriously. Did he use the wrong platform? Yeah, obviously he did. Okay? But can you fault him for it? It's something the guy's passionate about. He wanted to raise awareness. He just chose the wrong platform. But to still keep fucking with the guy four years later? I mean, give the guy a break. Would you? I'd fucking hire the guy. So, would you give Colin Kaepernick a break, please? And would somebody hire the guy back into the NFL? Okay? The guy didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't his intent to piss off the entire nation because your brother's in Iraq, okay? The guy just wanted to bring to light a serious issue that means a lot to him and the black community. And even the white community, people like me, okay? Because my heart bleeds for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're black or white. To tell you the truth, I actually like black people more than I like white people now. I swear to God. When I was out shopping Saturday, right, I came across a whole bunch of people. And people nowadays in 2019, even out in public, you can just tell there's a tension in the air. People are uptight as fuck, right? So when I was doing my shit Saturday afternoon, 
um, I came across a whole lot of cranky, just ignorant, idiot white people. And I'm white. But I tell you, two of the coolest motherfuckers I met was inside a sporting goods store when I was looking for a pair of sneakers Saturday afternoon. Two young black kids. And I hate to use the word black or African American. I, I don't know what the right term is. Um, I've literally, you know, I have a lot of black friends. And uh, depending on what who they are and what part of the country they come from, they don't like to be called black or they don't like to be called African American. Some of them like to be called people of color, if you're going to refer to that. And other people say, no, that's too close to the whole colored word from when there was segregation. So I don't know what to call you, okay? Uh, there's really no reason to ever call somebody uh, by their color because what the hell difference does the color of their skin makes? I've never understood it. I never will. How you can judge somebody just based on the pigmentation of their skin. However, when we're talking about something race-related, right, which I am, I have to bring up the fact that, you know, he was black. Um, but anyways, these two kids, they were the nicest, most polite, friendliest, outgoing people I had met that entire day. And I'm white, and they're black. But does that, does that make a fucking difference? But I was just so impressed by it. I really am. I need more black friends. I want to have a black girlfriend. I think I think black girls are super fucking hot. I love it. You know? Black people seem to be just so much more chill and relaxed and just put together in this country than I see your average white person. I think that white people are becoming the minority. Not in the sense that there's less of us. It's just that white people are losing their fucking minds and they're just... They're crazy. In the black community is thriving. That's the way I see it. I really do. I think it's a great time in this country to be a black person. And of course, that's coming from a place of complete idiocy, being me, white, I don't know. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's any easier to be a black man. Uh, you know, I'm sure it's easier in a lot of ways to be a white man because of our white privilege and stuff like that. But I'm telling you, uh, black people are more relaxed these days around here. They're funnier. They're fun to be with. And um, I tell you, those two black people that I met, uh, those two black kids that I met in the store Saturday, uh, made my afternoon because they were just so much fun to talk to about basketball, about sneakers, about life, uh, about everything. They were just so relaxed. They were so cool. They were so funny. And literally every other person I met that day was just a fucking, just had a misery index of 100. All right? So go out there and find yourself some african-american friends they're great people huh and you tend to learn a lot like how white people get ashy elbows right lotion people right just like the great bill Burr talks about white people get ashy too right ashy is a term that uh, black people use right because when they get dry skin because of the pigmentation of their skin it starts to look like ash on their skin so if they haven't put any moisturizer on, right, their elbows will look like they're ashy or something, right? White people get it too, but because of our skin is fair colored, we don't see all the all the gray white shit hanging off us. So I'm telling you, I started doing this too. Um, when I get out of the shower, I'll put moisturizer on all over my body. And uh, my skin feels fucking great. My face looks great. 
My skin feels great. It's soft. I don't have any dry skin. I don't have ashy fucking elbows or knees. The bottom of my feet don't look like they're fucking dinosaur uh, pads. I'm telling you, a lotion. Black people use it from birth because they have to. Because, like I said, their skin will literally turn gray if they don't use moisturizer. White people just don't do it. So if you ever get itchy and shit, it's because your fucking skin is dry, bro. You know? You, sh you, you don't need to go out and be sticking a, a fucking ruler down your back, right? Or rubbing up against a tree like you're a fucking bear, right? Just put lotion on after the shower. You don't need to put a lot, just, you know? It's not difficult. It takes you an extra, four, what, minute after your shower to put lotion on? And I swear to God, you won't fucking itch all day or all night. You won't. Your skin will be glistening all day. Put that shit on your face, on your nose, on your forehead, on your neck, on your ears, on your back. Okay? <laughs> I'm thinking about Bill's bird, Bill Burr's bit. Where he, he goes a little bit deeper than the lotion used than that. But anyways, that's Bill Burr's stuff, not mine. So yeah, anyways, uh, something else I wanted to talk about real quick. Uh, just a couple more quick things, but, you know, it probably won't be quick, right? Um... Actually, you know what? I think I'm going to uh, hold off on a couple of these things just because I'm looking at the time, and I'm already two hours into this bullshit. Jesus Christ. Is anyone going to listen to all this? Um, the new Crank Yankers. Does anyone remember the Crank Yankers? I do. Crank Yankers uh, came out in 2002, wildly popular. I think they stopped making the show, I don't know, 05, 06, 07, 08, 09. Somewhere in there, Crank Yankers stopped. Crank Yankers is back with a brand new season, and I just watched, um, I think it was the second or third episode of the new season, and I'm telling you, it's not funny. As much as I love comedy, and as much of a Crank Yankers fan that I was, Crank, sorry, Crank Yankers is no longer funny, and it's not because of the show, and it's not because of the comedians. It's because of the times that we're living in, in the millennials, so to speak. Every phony phone call they make to some place, it's not funny. They don't get the kind of reactions out of people that they used to. Every single person that these prank callers call, right? Everybody who answers the phone, they're so overly serious and they're so sensitive that in the jokes just go right over their head. It's literally insane. So you have a comedian that puts on his, you know, fake voice, and he makes a phony phone call, and he, you know, calls up a lady working the front desk at a YMCA or wherever. And the majority of these people now just ruin the show because when they talk to them, they're just like robots. Hello? No, sir. Sir? You're making me uncomfortable, sir. Sir? Um, this phone call isn't going anywhere, sir. I find this inappropriate. Okay, sir? Sir? Um, I told you again, sir. No? I don't have a personality. No, I don't find that funny. No, no. Don't call here again, please. I'm going to go get my emotional support dog, please. No, that's literally how all the callers are. <laughs> so the show doesn't even work. And it's not because the show isn't funny. It's not because the characters and the puppets aren't funny. It's not because the dialogue isn't funny. It's because the people that they're pranking are just sense of humorless. It's gone. Everybody is just overly fucking serious and just miserable. So a prank phone call doesn't even work on them. It's crazy. Um, 
One more thing, Emergence. I've talked about this show on this podcast since the show came out, okay? It's on ABC. It probably shouldn't be on ABC because the writing, the production, the acting is something that probably should have been on the level of a uh, Netflix or an HBO. But the writing in the show is literally that good. If you like mysterious kind of solve it, uh, mysterious kind of, I don't know, like a, almost like a Stranger Things, okay? It's, it's the only show I can possibly compare it to, but it's, but it's not like Stranger Things. It's it just in that same vein, okay? If you like shows like that, watch this fucking show. I keep telling people how good it is. I'm telling you, dude, I wouldn't steer you wrong. When I get this passionate about something, it's because I truly fucking believe in it. There are only three episodes in. If you have cable and you have on-demand, you should be able to pull up the first three episodes. Episode four of this new show isn't on until Wednesday. Um, catch up with the show. I'm telling you, it is fucking phenomenal. And uh, I'd like to watch about the the bomb. I'd like to talk about the bomb that just got dropped at the end of uh, season three, uh, episode three. But at the same time, I don't want to really uh, ruin it for everybody. But uh, my question to anybody who has seen episode three is, what is she? I don't think she's uh, robotic. I think she's something uh, something else. Not alien. Not alien, no. I think she was a human. Or she is human. She was born human. But she's been kind of implanted with uh, some pretty high technology that, uh, you know, enhances her brain, enhances other functions and shit like that. Our government does shit like that, people. They really do. So this show is hitting on something that uh, does happen in the shadows. It's been happening. You don't think our government carries out testing like this in black ops on crazy shit? They do. They do. That's how we've developed... Uh, weapons and shit like that and developed uh, new technology by testing and if you don't think in 2019 and like area 52 53 54 or wherever that our government is an experiment isn't experimenting with some wild shit that you can't even make up out of a science fiction movie you're wrong they are deal with it okay i just wanted to say thank you um my listeners my streams my subscribers keep going up. I don't know who you are, but I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, and that's all I can say, man. I'm looking forward to Monday Night Football tonight, watching the Lions and the Packers. Um, I got some people lined up that are going to be coming on the podcast soon uh, that are going to create some great radio or interviewing, whatever the fuck you want to call it. One is a major music producer. That uh, comes from the Massachusetts area. He's worked with a lot of huge bands. Uh, he's got one of those famous studios. Um, he's coming on the podcast. He's a great friend of mine. We're going to talk about his music career, his production uh, in music career, crazy stories. We're going to have him on the podcast. Um, he's a little bit, he's a little shy, but I tell you, we're going to get him on the cast. He's also a big conspiracy theory guy, um, even more so than I am. I just don't trust our government. And I'm not naive enough to think that, uh, you know, UFOs or extraterrestrial life can't exist. Uh, and the UFOs absolutely exist. There is no more debating whether UFOs exist, okay? Unidentified flying objects. We're at the point in 2019 where it's, it's now fact, but yet people still don't want to believe it. 
but there are literally objects in the sky that we don't know what they are. They're defying everything we know about the laws of physics, thermodynamics, uh, properties, everything. They're there. They're coming in close proximity to our fighter jets, and we don't know what they are. But they're being intelligently controlled, and they're using some form of propulsion that we don't know. It's not even propulsion. It's, it's a very good theory and something that most scientists agree on, that these craft that they are seeing, that the Navy pilots are seeing, um, they're actually using a form of, you can't even call it propulsion. They're basically riding a gravity wave. You know, everything that we know, whether it's a car or a plane, propels something out the back of it, a gas, anything that pushes it along. These craft aren't doing that. These craft don't have wings. They're not aerodynamic. But they're able to just disappear and reappear. They're able to go from hovering five feet off the ocean to 80,000 feet almost in the space in the snap of a finger. We don't have that kind of technology. However, it's been long theorized because of some of our reverse engineering of trying to re, uh, uh, reverse engineer alien uh, crashed spacecraft. We do know that they're using gravity. They're basically creating a gravity bubble around the craft, which means that craft can now bend space and time. Like, take a piece of paper like I have in front of me. Let's say at the top of the paper and the bottom of the paper is one light year distance. Let's say it's 8 billion miles away. Basically, when that craft hones into its destination, that destination is now going to pull the craft towards it using gravity. The craft isn't propelling anything out of the back. The destination pulls the craft instantly to it. So let's say at the bottom of your paper and the top of your paper is a billion miles, and that craft is sitting at the very top edge of the paper. The craft just basically folds space and time in the half, and it's like just going across the street. Now they're a billion miles away. If we had that technology or we were able to use it, uh, it would make everything that we know uh, useless. Uh, there wouldn't be any needs for cars, nuclear power, weapons, jets, planes, none of that. There wouldn't be any need for it. And... You know, part of the conspiracy theory that I hold on to is I don't think all of these craft are alien. I think some of these craft are actual our craft and possibly, uh, you know, Russia, China, whoever else. I think that we've already duplicated uh, this alien technology. I think some of it is them. Some of it is us experimenting with the technology. Um, I truly do. Um, and... How do I know this stuff? Because if you look for it, it's out there. The answers are out there. If you rely on what the nightly news is going to tell you every night, you're going to miss out. Because there are a billion things that happen that are newsworthy. But the nightly news only picks their top six stories and that's what they're going to run with. And even the six stories that they choose to tell you might not be entirely true. That's why I think it's pointless for any of you to watch the news. It is. Even the weather is pointless because they can't get the fucking weather right 12 hours in advance still. Even though they have billion dollar satellites in space looking at it, right? So, if you want to know more about UFOs, or you want to know more about zero point energy, or you want to know about gravity field propulsion, 
Look it up on YouTube. Google it. There are real companies out there that are building these products right now. They're building them. But we don't have them. We don't. So why are there companies building them? There are people... There, there are companies out there that are right, right now that are building like warp drives and shit. Warp drives. Warp drives that you used to see on Star Trek and shit like that. To go into fucking warp speed. Honestly. There's companies out there right now building this shit. So it's coming. And that's why I've been telling people that I know that I think in the next one, three years, we're going to see a dramatic shift. It's going gonna, it's gonna to become common knowledge that extraterrestrials have visited this planet, and they do visit this planet, that they are inside of um, anomalous aerospace vehicles, whatever they call them, AAVs is the new acronym, AAV, um, autonomous or anonymous or whatever, um, I think, aero something vehicle is what they call them, AAVs, okay? Um, I think they come here, and they travel here from, you know, a long distance, but to them it's like instantaneous. And I, I'm not sure why they travel here. I, I, I don't know that fact other than to speculate. But it can no longer be argued that these things don't exist. They've been talked about since the fucking 40s in the Roswell crash. Uh, crash. Um, that was 80 years ago, people. We know a lot more. And you're not going to see it on the news. Okay? If you're a skeptic, or if you don't believe that even UFOs exist, and all UFOs are is an unidentified flying object. But we've identified some of these objects. Of course, there's mistaken identity sometimes, right? But there are cases where we have caught on film, on tape, on camera, whatever you want to say, a true alien spacecraft. And we have very credible people that have seen them and talked about them. If you want to see something great, okay, if you've, uh, Joe Rogan, right? I think he's the best podcaster in the world. He's one of the best interviewers in the world. Um, he just recently had on Commander David Fravor. Commander David Fravor was the, uh, commander of the, um, of the F-18s that intercepted um, that Tic Tac UFO back in 2004. Out of all the people that were in that battle carrier group made up of the, you know, just like 10,000 people, he was like 20th in charge. He saw this thing with his own eyes. Um, his um, fellow pilots are the ones that recorded this UFO that went from hovering off the ground 80,000 feet instantaneously that were able to follow them around uh you know J joe rogan just had him on his show like uh october 3rd i believe watch that interview i watched it recent i watched it today and i was on the edge of my seat for all two hours i learned shit that i hadn't learned about commander david fravor he, he gives details about just so much shit that you just don't see in other interviews if that interview doesn't change your mind that there are absolutely alien craft flying around our atmosphere, I don't think anything ever will. We are at the point, people, that the information is just undeniable at this point. It is undeniable. Now, 
again, we can't say that it's aliens flying it around. But if it's not alien, it's and it's us, then we are just thousands of years beyond what you think we are technology-wise. Because when and if they come forward and admit that we have anti-gravity uh, type technology for craft, we would literally be able to get into a vehicle, like a spacecraft, or not even a spacecraft. It, it, it could be a box, right? Doesn't you you wouldn't even need seat belts because when this craft takes off faster than the speed of light, you're not going to feel any sensation inside of it because you're inside of a 1G gravity bubble. You get what I'm saying? That's why the pilots or whatever beings are in these things can survive the incredible speeds that they stop or accelerate to. Because when you're inside of a 1G environment, it doesn't matter what's going on outside of you. It's always going to feel like you're in a 1G environment, just like you do right now sitting in your, sitting in your car or standing in your home. It doesn't matter. Even if that craft was going 8 zillion miles an hour, you could be standing up in it and you wouldn't feel any movement. And then when it stopped on a dime from 8 billion miles an hour to nothing, you still wouldn't feel the stop. So there wouldn't be any need for seatbelts, airbags, safety systems, wings, uh, windows, anything. You could literally walk onto this contraption. They, av they activate the navigation system, which then links up with a distant planet like Alpha fucking Centauri. And, you know, minutes later, you're actually standing on another planet outside of our solar system. We have this technology right now, people. So when, so when I see you know us putting, you know Elon Musk is launching rockets in the space and shit like that, it, it's just such a shame. It really is a shame because, you know, at this point, we could literally, you know, we don't have to dream about going on missions to Mars. Or, you know, whether a regular person like me or you will ever be able to go in the space. Our government right now, I'm pretty sure, or at least the alien species, they have craft that can take you to another planet outside of our solar system almost instantaneously. Um, if, you, if you are curious in this, uh, about this, go on to Google and Google Project Serpo. S-E-R-P-O. I believe that's what it's called. And this is an underground story of where back in the 70s we were in contact with an alien race that we were friendly with. We could actually communicate with them. And they agreed to take 10 willing participants back to their home planet for two years. And 10 Americans, or Maybe they weren't all Americans, but 10 people were selected and they actually went onto an alien ship and traveled to a far distant planet that's in the, um, the galaxy that we know of uh, where all those planets that we recently saw exist. Alpha, whatever, Beta, uh, Zeta Reticuli, like out in that star system, okay? So 10 people in the 70s went onto an alien craft and went into another solar system and studied their ways and planet right i believe two people stayed 
they didn't want to come back. They ended up staying with the aliens. Um, another couple people died because of the amount of radiation that was on the planet. I guess they had three suns, and their days were like 48 hours long. Uh, because of the because of the speed the planet rotates, and you know, and the fact that they have three suns, so there's a lot more radiation. So a couple of people died, a couple of people stayed, but I want to say um, six of them made it back, and they wrote a like a 2,000 page report on every aspect of what the trip was like, how long it took, life. And this planet was 39 light years away, and this was in the 70s. If you want to go further down the rabbit hole and you buy all this conspiracy theory stuff, evidently there are 23 different species of alien that we have cataloged or that we have come into contact with. Some are friendly and have helped out the planet in ways that would blow your mind, like fixing our ozone layer for us by bringing in bags of water from other planets that were literally the size of Texas. Evidently that was caught on tape. Um, and then there's other alien species that are very cruel that we don't have contact with. Those are the ones that fuck with our cattle, that, uh, you know, capture people. Um, but yeah, there are 23 different types of alien species that have made contact with humans or Earth. That Some, some regularly come here, and some that we used to be friendly with uh, that we haven't talked to since the 80s. We don't know where they went. But yeah, we have we have cataloged 23 different species of alien, some of which we are still in contact with, some of which we aren't, some of which are nice, some of which aren't nice. Uh, yeah, and uh, that's just the truth. And I'm telling people that in the next one to three years, it'll be common knowledge. Common knowledge. It'll no longer be able to be argued. The government will have come out and did a demonstration, but we will see this technology firsthand. They'll they'll like literally be like an air show, or some kind of demonstration that the public and the media gets to watch, where we get to see our first UFO. Where you're gonna see a craft just lift off the ground silently, and then all of a sudden, in a matter of a few seconds, be on the other side of the moon. I predict in the next one to three years we will see that with our own eyes. It's coming. There's also people that I'm talking to that are conspiracy theorists that I don't consider crazy. They just know people that think that there is going to be an alien invasion in the next few years. But it's going to be staged. I don't know if we're going to do it with fake spaceships or we're going to make up a story about how kind of some kind of mothership took out a you know fighter jet. But something like that is supposedly coming. And why are they going to tell you? Why are they going to fake an alien invasion? Well, they're going to do it like the reason they've done everything else. To control. They want to make you afraid of space travel and outer space. And they want to make you think that the aliens are big and bad. But if you think for yourself, which I keep trying to get you people to do, if there was some kind of advanced alien race that obviously has the technology that they do that's just billions of years beyond us they could have wiped us out anytime they wanted to or taken this planet for all we know we're their kids so if they wanted to hurt us or wipe us out they could have a long time ago so, so don't buy it but if one day you see on the news that there's a true fucking alien invasion happening i know people are gonna freak the fuck out right but uh relax don't buy the Kool-Aid.
question the news, question reality. It is all government controlled. And uh, yeah, that's really not coming from a place of wild conspiracy. It's just coming from just the truth I see using no filter. I don't want to believe in aliens, and I don't not want to. I don't care either way. I just look at something based on the facts. I don't say it because I want it to be true. Because to be truthful, the, the, the thought of an alien invasion, whether it's faked or not, is fucking frightening, is it not? Um, would I like to see that type of technology at work? Fuck yeah. Would I like to experience what it's like to be on a craft that can just instantaneously take us to Mars or, you know, Zeta Reticuli? Of course, who wouldn't? Who, what human being wouldn't want to stand on another planet? Honestly. But, you know, it's long been theorized that we have that technology. The aliens have it right now. They're able to just get here instantaneously because they bend space and time. Because they're using their own gravity emitter around their craft. Once we have, and I believe we do, have the technology to put a gravity emitter around one of our own craft, then we will absolutely be able to do exactly what they're doing. And that means going to distant planets way outside of our solar system. In the matter of just a little while, a few minutes. That's it. So yeah, I apologize for this being so long. But uh, yeah, like I said, we got some great stuff coming up. Looking forward to Monday Night Football. And uh, tomorrow, a good buddy of mine has invited me on to uh, our local Air Force base to watch some fighter jets take off from a couple feet away. That should be pretty fucking fun. And uh, what I'm going to start doing is uh, at the end of each of my podcasts, uh, I keep playing you a song, but I don't tell you what the song is because to be truthful, at the time I'm recording this cast, I don't know what I'm going to pick for a song. But I've decided to start doing that now, so... Uh, when this cast ends in a minute, you are going to hear a song. The song was written by me and a friend of mine. I will not give his name at the time being, but it was written about 10 years ago. It's a song that we were working on called Spirit Rise. It has never been released to anywhere or anything. Um, it is just me and another singer. That's it. All the guitars were written by me and played by me in the song you're about to hear. All the vocals were done by a guy named Chris. The song is called Spirit Rise. Again, thank you so much for putting up with my bullshit and listening to the entire, uh, fuck, like two and a half hours of this fucking idiot show. Um, I love you. I'll be back with another cast later on this week. Be good to each other. And again, the song you're about to hear is called Spirit Rise, baby. Thank you. Take care of yourself, and we'll talk to you soon. This has been Views from the John. I'm John. Peace.
up to the top He holds his hands up high His sunshine's victory Open in third eye But still his voice gets lost He can't forget the day When the mountain blew to him The river washed away Step outside myself Try to see the sky